Hey, welcome to Plancha Valorant. It's episode 84. We've got Mimi on the show, but also Bren was late and he's just arrived and we've just decided to go live while we hear his excuse about what he's been doing. <laughs> I, put, I put lens wipes in my pockets. Don't you live like next door? Yeah. He lives Why are you like preparing for an expedition into the mountains? <laughs> he lives across the road. I'm, I'm really sorry about being late. That's okay. I, <laughs> but what you said you'd had a very panicky morning. Yeah, I tried to get ready. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to get ready. For, for anyone who uh, isn't on the inside of uh, our Discord, uh, he Brent posted earlier in the Plagia Discord, Sorry, I slept in. Last night I was watching Japanese VTubers speedrun Elden Ring. <laughs> Dude, but honestly, the that's the world record holder. The video, <laughs> no, I think. it's not. Yeah, for the glitch no of eighty percent. We wow. tried to watch. We tried to watch. Kurt just was. We just heard baby sounds in the background. Yeah, dude. I. We thought it was bullish this is... child. <laughs> that's really quite incredible. The current world record holder is a Japanese VTuber using a pizza cutter. Yeah. For any percent glitchless, this is the current world record holder. I was watching this, I couldn't believe the juxt I couldn't believe the, the contrast. Like you got the dark, gritty world of Elden Ring, you got like people screaming, crawling across the floor, and then you've got this VTuber with pink hair screaming, making fucking anime noises as they're like cutting up a dragon with it. With the uh, I, yeah. anyway, that that's we, not that's not a real excuse. No, are we already I, are we already to calm down, begin the episode? It takes dude, some I breath. I I haven't even, dude. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go, let's go. He's 64 ounces of fucking flask that he has in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and by the way, it's like 90 degrees outside and he's just rolled up with a hoodie. Just, I don't know why. Okay, so uh, this episode, we, we want to catch up with some EMEA, some Korea, some North America that's going on as well. Talk about some other stuff. <laughs> but we want to start off just by touching on the, the patch notes that dropped. There was patch 4.05. Yeah, yeah, I'll get, I'll get to that in a sec. Uh, we've got patch 4.05 was a tiny brimstone nerf. Tiny, 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 tiny. You, uh, you think this moves the needle, Mimi? They literally just removed one of his stim beacons and made a reference to him being a brimmy with a stimmy. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really think having two stims was all that busted, but I, I guess they, they want a little bit less of the fast brim. Honestly, I, I like the stim beacon changes coming into patch 4.04. I think it was a good direction for brim. I think this is fine. I don't think it'll really affect him. I think teams that have already implemented brimstone into their comps will already keep him. Teams who have implemented omen will keep him. I don't think this is going to make much of a difference in comp play. Mm. I like rarely ever even saw two brimstone stim beacons. It's like they use the one at the start well. of the round, then the other they just die with, or it's like used at the very end and find yeah. so little value. I, I mean, there was so little combinations with the brimstone, anyways. Like Knights was doing a bunch of it, uh, but beyond that, it was just like let's just throw one during the execute, and that was pretty much it. Like at the yeah. right, the beginning of the rounds is the default. You're walking everywhere, anyways, so it doesn't saw, make a difference. I saw some interesting brim stim usage for bind, like B long yeah. battles around the alt orb. Either the yeah. like attackers throwing it to try and get on the alt orb line quicker, or the defenders actually throwing it so that they could like get a really aggressive op angle early oh, on. Ascent. What sorry? Ascent a main. Uh, to try and beat oh, all yeah. angles and all yeah, timings. Actually, Optic uh, were doing that, right? Marv mm -hmm. was throwing down a stim beacon and then they had that like flash pop into A main. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I almost, 
I'm in a weird position with this because I hate the idea of adding a global speed boost on an ability, but also I kind of like the fact that there were two because you could use it in niche ways like that rather than always just saving it for the exec. I feel like giving him one, it's just like, okay, just wait until the site comes through and then use it. Yeah. Why not just keep two and up the price to 200? That feels pretty fair. Like 400 bucks for two brimstims is a pretty high ask. It's not like you're going to invest into that every round and be hyper speed brimstimming. It'll make you think more. It really makes you think. I think that's what the patch is meant to do. And it will do that. I, I don't know. I, it just doesn't feel that necessary. I don't think it was at all broken for him to have two of the stims. I've never had a thought in my mind whilst playing brimstone. <laughs> not, not a single thought not one synapse has ever moved whilst playing brimstone literally just ipad baby press the buttons go in try and hit shots i haven't played valorant iPad since baby. i lost to the brimstone on a on defense side split <laughs> That's where true. they were rushing every side you played four games at the beginning of this patch yeah. and then have, i decided i you've I, just become an elden ring streamer i decided i didn't want to play it anymore <laughs> I decided I no didn't he's want to not even an elden patch. ring streamer he's a he's an elden ring VTuber react streamer. Yeah, react. Oh, well, I didn't even react to this on the anyway. Well, you kind Good. of have now a little bit. You don't don't get me started it. about Elden Ring. No, I'm, uh, uh, listen, I'm not. Don't get me started. The whole, the whole, the whole podcast will this turn is a, into this. This is a Valorant podcast. Yeah, don't get I, me started on Elden Ring, Not please. Not going down that avenue whatsoever. But all right. So the big stuff that's happening, though, this week is... The EMEA games are currently going on. The North American playoffs are currently going on. Korea, APAC, Brazil, all over the place. People are qualifying for Reykjavik. Uh, I want to check in with the EMEA games first, though, because as we're recording this episode, not as you're watching it, probably, but as we're recording it, the Max EMEA alive. games are currently going on, like, right now. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know whether any of you caught the result that happened this morning. I'm going to hope you didn't. I'm going to hope you live in your cloud of NA obliviousness, because <laughs> we're going to do a bracket pick em. Kind of right from the beginning. I think I know, I know one of the maps. <laughs> Barlow definitely knows what's going on because he's looking at the ceiling. <laughs> it doesn't matter though. It doesn't matter. Anyway, this pick'em okay, is closed, but Kurt has used his wizardry in order to manufacture the, the website Hacker again. Man. What, sorry? Man. I said hacker man. That's I just all. saved yeah. the he's website. A, that's all I did. He saved it as an hacker man. Sure, buddy. <laughs> this guy's fucking cheating. <laughs> this guy is crazy. <laughs> All right. So my idea being, let's let's run through this, and then we'll check in at the end of the episode, and we'll see if we butchered the other game that's happening. Because I think G two Liquid is happening right now as we record. So you know, might as well lock in a bread and get my, it. Wrong. Sorry to interrupt. Reminds me of a story of my youth about saving the website when I was in my computing class learning programming, <laughs> and our teacher. <laughs> Why are you rubbing your hands? Because it's always gold whenever you've got oh, some story from your past. Oh, teacher, some I remember this repressed memory. This dude who he constantly loved to talk about how he worked for Microsoft back in the day. Wait, not, not currently. Your teacher yeah. used to talk about how he worked yeah. for Microsoft. Yeah, he used right. to work for Microsoft. I think it was like a, Makes know, sense. Like a contract teacher. or something, right? But he he like was he gave us tools to download websites, including like the. I don't know, like JavaScript on it as well. Right. And then, he, but he was like wording it like, now nah, this is highly illegal. <laughs> I shouldn't be giving you these tools. So don't tell anyone. Like, like he was breaking the law by giving us these tools. He's like, it's very frowned upon and potentially illegal. <laughs> and, and because you were downloading a web page. Yeah. But aren't you just like right clicking save as? Like, I don't understand. No, I think this was a little you bit before. You would not download a car, Bala. You wouldn't download a car. <laughs> oh, when you yeah, download true. a website, this was in like, 
2014, so I think it was before like. 2014. I don't mean to do like keep... when you were like, Is this like a college course? It, uh... How old were you, Bren? How old were you? I okay, I, you told me this story. I thought you were like eight. I thought this was like the before time. I thought so the too. Yeah, I thought you were fucking playing Neopets. Like <laughs> <laughs> 2014, though, you would have only been like what, 10, 9, something like that. Oh, come on. Oh, no, no, sorry, 2014. Sorry, I'm thinking about 2004. Wait, I think it might have been before 2014. Yeah, 2014, you're like 2011. 2011, Wait, how 2010. How old are you, Bren? Like 25? 25. About to be 26, actually. Mmm, poggers. Birthday yeah. week Whoa. for yeah. Brennan. Let's just do a, a variety podcast. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you're 18. Let's not even talk about Valorant anymore. You were 18, Bren. You were an adult, and this guy was explaining this to you. This is like an era where the internet was very much a thing. This wasn't like the early 2000s. <laughs> When people just fucking invented yeah. the internet, it came out of the ground. I was, like, I was fifteen, I think. Fifteen. Yeah. And like, he told you saving a web page was illegal. Yeah, yeah. Well, like very frowned upon. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be doing it. That the education system did fail you in a variety of ways. <laughs> yeah, it did. a variety of ways. It did. Like, okay. so hold on. It's gotta, when you like right-click save as on an image, for example, have you never like accidentally downloaded the web page? Because that happens all the time. You just yeah, like, yeah, right-click but... and the, the website's like trying to protect the image from being downloaded. It's like. Here's the website. But it was like a, it was like a tool to download the entire website, like the source, including code. the hyperlinks where it went to. So you could literally, including could, the hyperlinks, or like, like so you could gain a local hyperlink. It downloaded <laughs> that web page as well. But like so you everything just on that, the whole internet, on that, everything on that domain, it like downloaded in a folder, so you had like a local copy of it. And it was because some okay, bloke, right. some teacher in like the north of England, had made a website right. with a bunch of like very good like study material. And he said that it's highly likely that the exam uh, creators end up using this guy's material. So he was like, save it and you can get a cheating head start. Oh. So, so was he was Josh promoting unethical behavior. School. Yeah, but it, the thing that he was stressing was illegal was downloaded the website. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, how did we go from EMEA? Get, get on the pick of this. Uh, yeah. EMEA get bracket pick him. Okay. Let's have a look. Bring it up, Kurt. Bring it up if you wouldn't mind your your illegal saved web page to your hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell the feds. Um, okay, so you got Fnatic and FPX already in the upper semifinals. They only need to win a single game and they're guaranteed through to Reykjavik. Or rather, they only need to win that upper game and they're guaranteed through. If they lose that first game, they need to win a couple. But uh, So if, if Fnatic FPX win... If you're in the upper final, you're guaranteed top three, and you are in Reykjavik. So, oh, of course, yes. Just because yeah, yeah. you then drop down into the lower final. Slots. Yeah, but if you lose the upper semifinal, you drop down into lower round one, mm -hmm. it's a much more difficult uh, task to get back in. So, gotcha. All right. right. M3C against Guild. Who would you have? I only want to speed run through this. I don't want to deep dive into the teams because we're going to talk about EMEA a bit later. This is just setting expectations. M3C, Guild. Who you got? If I speak, I'm in trouble. So. Yeah. All right, I'll speak. I'll speak. Masters 3 champions should should throttle them. Guild has been looking better. They've been improving, but it, damn it. I mean, M3 champions should win. Yeah, uh, I agree with that one. Okay, that was the match that's already happened now that we've got the awkward period where everyone pretends they didn't see the result from earlier today. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. No. <laughs> I, saw, I saw one map. Okay, let's go G2 Liquid. This is this is the game that's happening right now. So, you know, yeah, there's no, no way of cheating this one because it's happening live. I'm, I'm actually leaning towards G2. 
I, I really am. I like the way that they've been playing around Nuki. I think Nuki himself has been on a monster tear currently. I think his IGLN looks good too. And I'm not a big fan of Liquid's um, strategies and team play right now. I think they look like a, a bit of a... They look like they're in their adolescent phase compared to LCQ Plus last year. Mm. Yep. I, yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with you, I think. Ooh, I feel like this that is, is the... rather based. I feel like this is the <laughs> uncommon pick, actually. I think yeah, if you ask the whole people, community, they go for Liquid. I think most people will go for Liquid, but I've I've literally, every time we've had EMEA on the show and Liquid has been a team, I've just been watching their games. Right. And the, yeah, I, I don't want to deep dive onto them, but yeah, the comps have been a little bit silly and wacky, and they've had some unconvincing games where it feels like they get a knock of confidence in their map, and they really struggle to drag it back into mm. wins in, in maps where they should be winning. Mm. Yeah. Um, they lo they low-key feel like Fnatic to me last year where they have so many good ideas, but just like the execution in some cases lacks. And they're definitely better than what I'm relating to uh, last year's Fnatic, but it just feels like there's not that extra fundamental and chemistry that the team had back at LCQ. And yeah. without that, I just don't see how this team is like the best of the best where cool. they should yeah. be. Yeah, it's like it, it makes me think of their 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 game they played against Big. I think it was on like Bind, where they they were playing that weird um that weird neon comp, and they just had like the worst defensive side I've ever seen. Like they were trying to push, it was failing every time. Like they just got stuck into a rut of like making these same plays. And again, it's like fun comps, fun ideas that they're trying to implement. Like I want them to do well. It like also in a way reminds me of like old FPX, where I mean <laughs> FPX is kind of good now, but they had like some really cool ideas, and then they were just the worst team ever. <laughs> it, Liquid's not as bad as that but no. it kind of feels similar mm. can i pick mm. liquid yeah but it doesn't matter yeah i'll be outnumbered <laughs> yeah you can pick liquid and it won't change the bracket at all okay okay <clears throat> if we're going into the upper semis this is where it actually matters this is where you know both of these teams that win this game will end up qualifying for Reykjavik. so who who do you reckon makes it out of that top game Fnatic m3c for my money these look like the two best teams at the moment in emea possibly the world right now actually they look nasty. The fact they're on in the same upper semi is uh, is fun. Yep, I agree with the statement that they're probably the best teams right now. Um, but I think this is not a matchup the Fnatic has much of a chance in, to be honest. And I, hmm. I just feel like M3C, at least from the games that I watched when they've returned so far, and I did watch that uh, upper round one, uh, and that was a little... Uh, well, anyways, there is... They just have so much stuff, man. So much stuff. And Fnatic needs to be adapting to all of that at the same time as trying to implement their own game plan. And I think M3Cs is going to disrupt them by miles and miles. I It should be closer than I expect, probably. But for some reason, I feel like this will be a blow up. Mm. I think it's, if you consider the map pool as well, it's very difficult for Fnatic to... So M3C are nasty right now on Breeze and Ascent in particular. They just look undefeatable on those maps. Um, mm. And even the maps where... Fnatic are good, like bind and split. Uh, M3C are also kind of crazy there too. So you, what do they, what do they get rid of? If you try and get rid of Breeze, they're going to go to Ascent. If you try and get rid of Ascent, they're going to go to Breeze. Fucking crazy. Um, right. Uh, is anyone dissenting? Anyone think Fnatic's got this? I think it'll be closer than Ball is saying, but I still think that M3C should win. Okay. I'm waving the neutral flag. That's fine. That's fine. All right. FPX G2. <laughs> Bren, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. FPX G2. Oh, FPX. FPX. You think FPX win that one? They're on a bit of a heater at the moment. Yeah, they are. They're on an absolute but, heater. But they're in a weird spot without... I don't, I don't know whether I, uh, Angel's going to be able to play either. 
But well, the weird thing is, even with Angel not playing, I really like their calling with Shao. Mm. They did um, lose a take, weird game to... Over it, who did they lose to recently? Who did they lose to in their groups? Yeah. Big or something? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it was yeah. oh, it was London United. London when they United. Like, had that yeah, weird 2-1 yeah. like, where they got upset. Yeah, yeah, oh, they've been yeah. they've been in a wiggly spot right now. Okay, and then lower round one. I don't care about like who actually you know wins the seeding games. I'm just talking about... Who who gets to Reykjavik here? Oh, man. G two Guild, Fnatic Dude, Liquid, Fnatic Liquid. You got teams we've bloody got El Clasico in the bottom. Okay, listen, <laughs> I'm just putting Fnatic through. All right. Yeah. I, I'm, it's I'm literally like it. how we got V1 San and NA. Now we have Liquid Fnatic in EU. Yeah, it is oh. nasty. A G two Guild though. G two Guild. That was a close game in the groups, or at least it should you know, be G two. It was like thought about being an upset in the groups because Guild looked like the better team. You think yeah. G two do it again, Mimi? I, I think it should be G2. I, I, I think the Guild, give them some credit. They've been looking better. They'll push you to a close game. But we already talked about how, how good G2 has generally been looking. I have faith that they should be able to hopefully not throw this one away. Like, even though they lost, I think it was like Fnatic and, and Ascend that they lost to in the groups. Even those games were pushed pretty close. And while it was a close game versus uh, Guild in the groups, I, I still have my G2 faith. Yeah. You know what the mad thing is as well? Just because Fnatic and M3C are in that upper semi together, like whoever loses that game just feels like they're going to be the third place team to make it. <laughs> so like, yeah. I really feel like the loser of Fnatic M3C and both of the teams in the uppers are just the teams that are going to wreck it personally. I think Fnatic mm. wins this game in the lower as well. I think it's a really rough spot for G2 to be in if they lose that game to FPX. But if they win, uh, I mean, they make it a wreck guaranteed, right? These would yeah. be... These would be my three teams to make it. Well, no, these wouldn't be my three teams. I would go for G2, but I think this is very reasonable. I think that third spot is up in the air for a bunch of different squads. Yep. Mm. I mean, there's even a world where, like, Guild runs it back, beats G2 in that one. I mean, I, it, it's a really pretty contested down below, but I think M3C and, and FPX are pretty safe bets. Mm, okay, okay, okay. All right, <clears throat> that's, that's us just doing a little run-through of the EMEA bracket. We'll continue to take a look at this. Kurt's just going to fill in his own predictions for the end as well. Kurt <laughs> <laughs> loves seeding games. All right, so that was just us. We'll check back in at the end of the episode as well to see whether we were completely horribly wrong with G2 Liquid. But um, let's, let's talk about what the fuck the North American pros are bait-tweeting left, right, and center. What the hell's going on with TSM and Wardell? What, what, what's going on over here? We had a journalist reporting earlier today, Wardell has been removed from the team, and then correction tweet. Actually, I'm being told really different stuff right now, so take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> so even the journalist can't discover what's happening right now. Hmm. Um, so I want your pure speculation takes. Mimi, I want to start My with you. My love of NA, my hat. love of NA, just the pure chaos in NA has forced me to kick my water glass over. So I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Nice. Incredible. Nice. <laughs> Is this a planned advert for Secret Lab? We're not sponsored by these. Oh, fuck it all. Okay. No. Yeah, well, at least you can't get it all. Anyway, Secret Lab, if you want to pay us money, um... <laughs> You can. <laughs> and uh, then we that's can release this episode. Right? It's pretty good. Like, that's a lot of clicks. Yeah. yeah. Imagine yeah. what we could do with, with your products. <laughs> this <laughs> is an example. <laughs> Perfect. Water cleaned. Let's go. Nice. Okay. All is well. Nice. All is good. <laughs> okay. So just to give people the context on what's occurring, people are going crazy about Waddell currently because he didn't, well, he wasn't playing in one of their matches. People were saying he wasn't mm -hmm. playing in one of the scrims. He untagged TSM from his social media. 
and people are speculating whether he's like been signed to a bigger organization or maybe not bigger bigger might be the wrong word but like is he getting signed has he been taken by a different org and people are speculating 100 thieves because of course they are and or has he been just cut from the team did he choose not to move to texas when the rest of tsm wanted to relocate you know all of these different pure pure speculation and rumors going on right now across the valorant um community mimi your take what's going on with waddell first of all i love nothing more than rumors and speculation so i'm just gonna throw some stuff out there um i think that i imagine that waddell's contract is fucking ridiculously high and his buyout is most definitely ridiculously expensive. I doubt that a team bought him out. I doubt that 100 Thieves put that money in to, to, to buy him. Because I don't think their issue is in a jet fragger. I don't think that's the role that's the problem. I think Asuna does a good enough job. Unless they're just like completely getting rid of Asuna and doing weird moves. That doesn't really make sense to me. I feel like it's probably a lot of troll. Maybe his, he's been benched by TSM. That's possible. The team clearly needs some big changes. And maybe he was the answer. But I still don't think TSM is going to let him be free. I think they'll keep him in <laughs> TSM jail. Uh, if, even if they bench him. You mean just content creator jail? Yeah, waiting, just put him know. in content jail. Uh, yeah. Like you could, you could unrestrict him, but force him to keep TSM on his socials and on his stream and all that because he literally is the brand of that team and of their organ, Valorant. Like if you let go of Wardell, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, Dude, I don't know. He posted this when there was a storm tornado warning across Texas, man. Yeah. There was like, there was tornado in Dallas and in North Austin. Yeah, <laughs> literally tornado warnings in Austin. I was just yeah. staring out the window. It Maybe was... Waddell's private jet caused it. It was just the slipstream of his jet yeah. blasting <laughs> his way across the U.S. Yeah, um, I Waddell has been putting up bonkers numbers for TSM recently. But when I was reviewing some of their games, <clears throat> I felt like the playstyle that he has was actively a detriment to the team. Um, on Chamber, and he's basically play, been playing full-time Chamber. I mean, literally has been playing full-time Chamber, 100% play rate. Dude, guy's yoked, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Been working out, man. True. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, like, statistically, a monster. 0.91 KPR on Chamber is ridiculous, but the way in which he plays, the amount that he opts, the positions he takes, like, the stress he puts on the rest of his team to be able to make space for him on the attack side, and the lack of, like... Uh, the lack of game plan that the whole team had on on especially on their attack side made made these stats a bit disingenuous i think mm. but could he be going somewhere else yeah i think it's possible primarily because i think most of the people that make roster decisions are pretty similar to the fans in terms of they just remember the good stuff and they'll just think, okay, Wardell, big brand, big... Big numbers. Big numbers. Big, putting, up, putting up big KPRs. Putting, big up, guns. putting up big numbers. Yeah. Big, big guns, followers, big, big muscles. Benching 400 these days. Yeah, exactly. Lots of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, I could see him getting signed by somewhere. But I do, I do agree with you that I imagine it would be extremely expensive to, to get him out of a TSM well, contract. What if he's doing some shenanigans with TSM and he's trying to break his contract? So that he can then be mm -hmm. then be taken to another. That's Whoa. the real tinfoil hat. That's what if, the real yeah. tinfoil hat. Theory. Okay, what if there's some fucking weird world where <laughs> Ye's tired of just absolutely carrying some matches for Optic, <laughs> and there what there's a trade that gets worked out where it's a one to one Ye for Wardell. 
Uh -huh. You think Ye wants to go to TSM? When yep. Optic is one <laughs> match. You think Ye wants to yeah. well, go to TSM? on Ye... Optic, and you think TSM is the better option for him? <laughs> Curious. <laughs> Curious. <laughs> okay, I mean, it, I said hear me out because I was about to say something fucking stupid. I heard so, you and it was stupid. No. I appreciate that. I yeah, love that. Good. Because all of the takes have gotten progressively dumber. And I think you've just capped it. I don't think anyone's going to be able to give one that's better than that. Josh, what can you do? Can you get worse? Yeah. Um, uh, has, has Wardell played on any teams with... Uh... Wardell's going back to Counter-Strike. Wardell is taking Sean and DDK's job casting now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's doing. He's, uh, he's, he's moving into like a coaching role. Yeah, he's going to coach yeah. Yeah, that makes TSM. Sense. He's coaching Sentinels. Holy shit. <laughs> it all comes together. Incredible. Incredible. All right. Well, the conclusion to this topic was uh, we don't know what's going yeah, on with Wardell. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so I hope you enjoyed that segment. Uh -huh. All right. Uh, Let's talk about North American uh, competitive games then for a start, shall we? Okay. So, oh, Brent pulls out his phone. He's ready to go. <laughs> He's fucking prepped. Oh, He's got prepped. My so I want to start with um, Optic, the team that's about to sign Waddell. <laughs> and they are <laughs> one step away from being able to make it to Iceland. Uh, they actually brought Cloud9's win streak. Cloud9 were 15-0. and zero before losing to Optic, this is only their second ever loss with this roster to a North American team. The only other time they lost was against Rise at LCQ, and they ended up winning that tournament. So, you know, they are a fantastic roster. I don't think they were necessarily head and shoulders above the competition, but their success has been unparalleled in recent North American mm -hmm. um history like within the last six months they have certainly been the most successful team and yet now they've been knocked to the lower bracket this was a hell of a match this is a weird match as well though look at each if you go onto each map individually like if you click on it look at the halves they, they ended up just being overwhelmingly one-sided in every single map mm. every single map was like one-sided to one one team or the other but i think um haven was a really interesting one just because it seems like Optic was sticking with their Neon comp. Um, but again, it, Cloud9 came into it with a really good plan. Round four, Kurt was a clip, just a short example of showcasing it. I think Optic ended up winning the round because Ye ended up popping off anyway. But it showed that Cloud9 clearly had stuff in mind to punish a lot of the setups where they were trying to set up Victor in this A lobby control. Like just stunning him if they hit the, the tap on whatever. Um, breaking that a lot of times. But... You really, I really can't condense this map in, uh, into just a series of clips because it was really just both teams learning of how to play against each other's comps because they're so um, potent, both comps in terms of retaking and pushing off like um, even just the plant as they're coming in. And so both teams were trying to learn that, that kind of dance of one another and it got into the very, very later rounds. But I mean, seriously though, Ye was the only reason they even got four rounds on their first half it was it was absolutely insane honestly like I, I think it was like 3ks and 4ks that ended up clutching it for them i mean it is kind of crazy that they you know optic win 2-1 but the first map they have to come back from a 4-8 down and yeah. they only win it in ot as yeah. well so there certainly is a world where cloud9 could have just 2-0 this uh, by winning on optics map i was really impressed though with optics attack side i think it looked a lot better than the last time they showcased yes. the neon comp it did yeah it did i i wanted to showcase round 23 which was the example of like this it got it, it got to the, the tipping point of like the mind games where both teams were trying to bait out um utility so this is one of the earlier rounds 
but it's like two rounds later. But this is still a good round to show. I mean, it's this is where the comeback starts to really come into effect for Optic. It's already 9-11, but at this point, it's like, Ye is fucking popping off. He's firing all cylinders. Uh, Victor ended up coming back from like him essentially getting shut down earlier in the series at this point. He didn't have an amazing game, but considering where he started in the first half, it was way better. But yeah, it was this was the yay show in my mind on map one in terms of being the antithesis for them even being able to be staying in that map and continuing. Uh, we don't have to look at round 23 as well because there's so much to get through in terms of this this series as well. Um, yeah, it, was a, it was a delight. It was a delight on the senses. Delight, Give yeah. me... Give me, give me round. Yeah, round, round twenty-three, dude. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to keep monologuing this one. I'll keep going. Please. Yeah, listen, it's they go for like this B hit. I believe it's it's the optic on attack side. They go for this B hit. They end up having to pivot into it. And look at this, like a bait. The wall goes up. They tap the plant, and they're trying to bait this retake by Cloud Nine because they know that Cloud Nine's combo is so good on the on the retake to try and push off the fuses. And so they're trying to get like an aftershock, a flash, an engagement out of Cloud9. And it's like this cat and mouse play of them just like, is it a fake, yeah. is it not? Then they finally stick the plant and then Cloud9 like, oh, they try and jump onto it in the end. And it, it really did devolve into just chaos, which is what a lot of this game felt like, a lot of this map at least, given how back and forth it was. It, it, it's just, yeah, absurd performances. I think this map as well, Leaf had an amazing game. On top of it, it's just yeah, that yeah. Ye carried them even further. Um, but yeah, this 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 kind of summarized that map for me. Fracture was a bit of a different ball game entirely because that was the that was the time where it was just Leaf and Zeppa coming alive. You look at the scoreline of those players. Um, yeah, Leaf's plus Leaf fourteen. I mean, dominated two hundred and forty ADR. It's like insane. It's insane. I don't want to keep talking over this because I, I don't he's have too much to say. Four on the it. first kills is the chamber as well. Like he was not playing a baby chamber whatsoever. He's just as proactive and he plays this role. Mm. Yeah, he's crazy good. I mean, over the course of the series, I felt like Leaf was still the MVP. Actually, even though they lost, I still felt like Leaf was the best player from the match. Uh, and you know, sometimes it be like that. But the yeah. the the map was really. The match was winnable by both sides, but I think what impressed me also from Optic was that they had improved so much with the Haven synergy on attack yeah. side. Like it wasn't just Victor running yes, in. Yeah. And then over the course of the whole match, they were actually able to sustain their top level performances. They didn't just, after getting battered in map two, they didn't just fall to pieces, which I really felt happened in that version one game mm -hmm. where they just got whacked on map two and they just, it felt like they gave up map three. I'm sure they didn't, but something in their mentality or the way that they were playing, this like attitude of going in and finding those opportunities just seemed to slip away from so, them when they played against V1. This round is a perfect example of the entirety of Fracture in my mind is where Leaf's dominating. But even when Leaf got shut down, Zeppa was the guy who was just picking up the pieces at the end of it to just try and seal the deal with these rounds. Like, it was an unreal performance from him. But, I mean, during this cast, I think you, you casted this, Mimi, as well. You were talking yeah, about Zeppa's satchels. Dude, it's, it, it was so good, man. He was so smart with the way he was using it to just win out a lot of these fights as well on top of it. Like, Victor almost clutches this. And look at this from Zeppa. Pushes him back. Disrupts the aim. And that's the second time in that one round. Like yeah. that, that, that earlier clip was at the very same at the very start of it. We have so many bad raise players in NA. We have so many <laughs> players that can only play jet, get on raise. They don't use their satchels for shit besides like an occasional like giga into double satchel play. It's so refreshing when we get someone who's actually getting good value out of that utility. Like I, I love that they're willing to kind of put Leaf back a little bit, have him play this chamber and just let Zeppa be the be the fucking giga gamer on raise. Mm-hmm.
And it, and it it reached its pinnacle on Ascent, which is where, again, we saw these one-sided halves. And just, or not mm. quite one-sided, it was actually 7-5 in the first half, so it was a lot closer comparative. But then the second half was uh, very just odd it was it, it looks like that was a collapse from cloud nine it actually wasn't it was like a series of tiny mistakes but yeah it, it's we can dive into like round nine for example to showcase on the first round cloud nine had a lot of cool ideas they, they went for like the, the classic shark attack at tiles which is what this round showcases like it's a lot of teams are just incorporating this in their in their play um just, just <laughs> Yeah, I've seen Optic try to do that one before as well. Yeah, but this time Cloud9, they, they like push players through B main and then they just collapse yeah. onto them. And it was these little little ideas that they were throwing into their defense side for Cloud9 that gave them the edge in the first half that, that made it 7-5. On top of the fact that Leaf was never really punished for pushing down mid a lot of the time. So he was given a lot of really good mid-round information for, for them to work off of. And both these teams are so good on Ascent too. I, coming into this final map, I, I thought we had a banger on our hands. It ended up being, yeah, like a little... A little odd because there were so many streaks of rounds from one team and then the next. It wasn't a very back and forth match or mm -hmm. map at all. But Cloud9 have been, I think Ascent is their most played map in recent history with this roster or even across the whole roster. And their win rate's been super high with it. But Optic, whenever they play on it recently, have just been crushing. Yeah. They're, ever since they did the prep work against version one, they've looked nasty. Uh, and their defense side with Victor playing the KO just seems. Wonderful. I love the Victor yeah, KO they've been and that adaptation. Using that setup a lot. I wanna there's one round that's really fucking cool on Ascent second half, and it's the beginning of the booming for Cloud9. <laughs> it is that when Optic win the eco, but it wasn't just off the back of like Cloud9's mistakes. If you play it, pay attention to the mini-map at the very beginning here because it's like this it's a classic like kind of eco round where Cloud9 ends up getting into into the B site. They get in for free, essentially. They're just give, giving up because you can see Optic. They're going for like this gamble stack with the mm -hmm. eco sticking together, trying to find some guns, trying to find some picks with just the bodies and the, the numbers advantage. And look at the way that they play this. So they know the turret set up. They smoke it off. So the turret's completely smoked off. So Mitch thinks that he's got complete peace of mind in main while all this is going on. They contact push all the way in. While all this is happening, there's a distraction happening because the door gets broken. I think that's as well Victor playing from spawn where he's just sending in utility. And the timings are created. I don't know what's Leaf doing here trying to reposition into the players. Yeah, that seems but a bit weird. as Mitch dies, obviously he doesn't know it because his, his turret smoked off. Essentially, it gives Ye a rifle, and when Ye's have got a rifle in his hands, man, it's it's just fucking dangerous. Like you, you, you are in a really troubling scenario. It goes so close down to the wire, and look at Marv's HP when he clutches this out. Uh, He's a one health, man. One health. Is that a right click? Can and we wins it. I was I was having a discussion with my chat about this because. I, I thought, thought it was a right click in the moment, but I couldn't tell. Yeah, I thought it was a right click because he's like moving and running at him, but I don't know whether Marv just hits a sick shot. I literally can't tell. He's, he's like, like running, wait, we might have had it in the replay. Let's let's see, because if we go forward a little in the VOD. Yeah, no point two five that shit, Kurt. <laughs> Here we go. Wait, because look at the range on this thing. It feels like it a right like, click, but I don't it know. It looks like a reset. I can't even tell. I think it must be a left click. I think can it must you, just be a Can you see if really they play a replay shot. back on it? Because it, it's it was a clutch, so they should, right? I guess, but I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but weird. Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But the yeah, if that's if that is a right click, it's astoundingly ridiculous RNG. And if it's a left click, that's just such a nasty one tap to be hitting on somebody with a classic. Look oh. at Mitch's reaction <laughs> as well. He's literally fucking face palming. That's like porn acting. That's like... <laughs> 
that's like I am frustrated, but it's it's real emotion in the moment. Yeah, and the, and the play that I think it's the beginning of the booming, but the Cloud9 players, when you look at the reaction cams, they weren't quite boomed by that point. No, because it's still even. They still feel like they're in control of the game, but. A lot of these rounds later on, and I hate to point out a player individually because at, at the end of the day, it's like the legwork you do in the round ahead of time that causes you to lose and get in these situations. But Vanity, I thought Vanity was playing pretty well with the Omen beforehand, mm -hmm. but he was he had some questionable decision-making in a lot of these rounds, and it just so happens that the rounds I picked out, it feels like I'm picking on him. It really does. But he he had some moments that I'm just thinking, I'm watching it, I'm thinking... I can't quite understand why he's done this. Round 16, round 18, round 20, which are all incredibly pivotal rounds where Cloud9 are set up to potentially win it. They're mostly post-plant scenarios. We start with round, um, round 16. This, this here, beautiful play by Optic to just delay the plant for as long as possible. Vanity's forced to just plant into the, into the back of the site here. Oh, uh, the plant position. Yeah, he's playing in hell here. And he's, right. he's got his ult. He ults into main when it's smoked off and two players are already playing there. So now they're just forced to spam. Marv's on 40 HP, by the way. So like, I don't, he's just literally, this is some fucking action movie shit. He's like dodging bullets. So they're coming, flying towards him. And, and obviously the plan, because being pressured in yeah. that scenario, why doesn't Vanity just stay uh, in hell? Yeah, it's a tough position as well. Cause he's getting, uh, I thought the brim, on, brim ult that came through was unbelievable cap because I thought they just brim ulted the downed KO for no reason. But the, the brim ult, catches the player that's trying to res the KO and it catches the default plant position as well. And it forces Vanity to like scramble and make that small mistake of just planting in the wrong spot. I think something that doesn't get talked about very much with Vanity, he is a great IGL and he's taken two teams, two different rosters to international tournaments. But I think he also has a... Uh, uh, an ability to get flustered in those high stress scenarios. Mm. And I don't think that's an, a terrible um, decision that he makes there. It's only a small, uh, small problem, but his, his aim, his decision-making tends to get a little bit hampered under you pressure. You want a clip to support that point? <laughs> I, so don't, I don't want to rag on him. I'm not going to rag on him. I think it's he like actually a, played well this series it's overall. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a minor thing, but round 18, is this retake by Optic. I'll, I'll, I'll sing the praises of Optic here. This retake's sick. Look at the, this flash from Victor that sets up the peak from FNS perfectly. Comes through, yeah. it's, it's perfectly timed. But this lockdown gets used by Mitch right deep on the corner next to the door. And Vanity's hiding in a smoke in main. And Optic are, are so confused. Two of the players are running back and Ye is swinging it to break it. And I don't understand, like if it, there's a timing here where the lockdown's like two seconds are getting off. Why is Vanity waiting in the smoke? in that scenario to to not like protect the lockdown because i mean can he even protect the lockdown from yay in market though anyway there because i think yay is like always going to be able to shoot that from a well, deeper it's either, position it's either yay kills him or kills the lockdown oh you mean like literally hard swinging in because it was like two seconds left yeah i don't know it, I, I feel like it, that's a it's i'm i'm, nit, I'm nitpicking here but it was just one Here's thing the, i noticed mainly isn't there the later lockdown round in on a site where he like just sits in it after leaf like almost that's, kills this it. is round 20 that's what yeah. i've also picked out and it is this the final boomerang. This is the thing that just pushes it over the edge, man. I, I'm pretty sure it's this round here where it, it goes down to the wire. It's, I, again, I, I can't fault uh, Vanity in this instance because um, Leaf probably comms that he has the perfect timing. Like, this is insane by Marv. What a 2K by Marv. I mean, yeah. what do you do when the players on Optic are popping off like this as well? But Leaf gets an amazing timing in the later of this round. They, and Optic do a great job just delaying. The Hunter's Fury as well to just push off this plan. And this lockdown, 
ends up getting uh, getting used here. I mean, Fantasy's locked down by his own team. But look at his timing here. Catches it perfectly. Lockdown's there. And looks like, oh, I'm going to show the patience. Going to get the 2k. But it crashes, takes him out from behind. And then Vanis is just left like, what the fuck do I do here? Because yeah. the lockdown hasn't been killed. Yeah. Leafs probably calmed that the lockdown is going to be killed. He, he, there's nothing he can do. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I agree. And that I is agree. the boomerang. Yeah, that is a boomerang. I agree with you in, the, in this game specifically, but I can remember so many moments where there's tense situations like that, Vanity in the clutch, and like there's crazy shit going on, and he makes the right play. On Astra specifically, I think there's definitely a little bit here with, uh, you know, getting back used to Omen. He was good on him before, but like there's moments where I'm just like, why the fuck aren't you TPing? Like at least trying, like in that moment, like at least try to TP Jen, right? Yeah. Um, off of Jen, rather. Very there's, tough there's, position. There's, there's a lot it's of hard, things, but it's yeah. so difficult. And that's, that's what like I'm saying. It's like he's calling, sure. it's map three of an incredibly stressful series. Like these things happen. It's unfortunate that it happens in the position where they're knocked down to the lowers this early mm -hmm. on. But still, like there, there are plenty of moments where Vanity does well. I'm not saying it's not an issue that these plays happened, but it's just kind of yeah. unlucky. I, I, I think in general, Vanity is a fucking amazing player in those situations. And mm -hmm. I can remember situations in the regular season where he was great. Like uh, the Breeze 1v3, for example. Yeah, was, he against. did play that one fantastically. There yeah. was, there was, there's a lot of those moments that I can think of uh, off the top of my head. Vanity in LCQ, at Champions, who, who where he makes fantastic plays in those positions too. So sometimes they just don't go your way. And sometimes it's a tough decision to make that's impossible to really do in this situation. So yeah. I, I disagree with the idea that he is not somebody who's or that okay. is like overheating in these situations okay well i've got another question for you lot though um do you think that this is representative of the skill levels of both teams do you think that um it generally speaking optic are currently a better team than cloud nine do you think generally speaking we should have higher expectations of optic we should expect them to finish higher in this bracket for example uh than a cloud nine or was this just the result on the day? Because well, those it was are two also, different things. It was also Finesse's birthday <laughs> on the day. And he, you know, he had that, he was, I mean, he was, he was doing pretty well. Yeah, honestly. he was kind he, of hitting, actually. He was, he was catching some nasty timings. Um, I don't know, I, it's I weird. Think, I think Finesse is going to have those games against teams that he really, really understands, though. Yeah, um, sure. Because there's, there's been moments where I'm like, oh, Finesse is fragging, like, he gets the game right now. And that, that's something yeah, I look yeah. at a lot with IGLs. Um, because... Obviously, it's a, a big momentum shift if your IGL just gets the threads of the game. But um, in terms of your question, I, I think this is not necessarily representative. I'm not going to like expect this ten out of ten out of ten times. Okay. Um, but I do think that this is these two teams approaching towards their peaks in a, in terms of uh, the gameplay that they showed. Uh, not that that's going to come out all the time, but also at the same time playing against a team that is high level enough to challenge that peak. And mm -hmm. that's what that looks like. And I think it is good enough for either of these teams still to to make it through. Obviously, Optic has one more match to, to win against the guard or the cool. lower bracket final. So I think a lot of this match shows the the preparedness of Cloud9 coming into this matchup. Like like I think especially um, in to that, that game number one for Optic, Cloud9 has been looking 
really, really solid uh, on this map when they've been running that triple flasher comp. And I think that the, the way that Optic adapted around it worked really well. Like their Neon, they went back in, they changed it, they looked prepared with it. Yay on his chamber, I feel like was finding a lot of value because it's a comp where oftentimes they're saving that utility and towards a later round it and just looking to use it on those execs versus for kind of playing those like very early opening round moments. And, and they broke that down a, a fair few times, especially on their defensive side for Optic, even though they sometimes had issues there. There was, there, there was an element where I think it was clear that FNS came into this game with a good idea of what Cloud9 was going to do, countered it out very, very well. Uh, I think that that Ascent series as well for them, they did a much better job uh, uh, of stopping players like Leaf from having an overwhelming performance. I mean, there's so yeah, many Ascent was... games from Cloud9 where we see Zeppa and Leaf just running it down main every time on the defensive side, creating so much space. Optic kept that under control. I think a big part of that was FNS. I don't think this is a fluke. I think if we go back to this exact same matchup tomorrow, there could be a different story based off the level of preparation. But that's what you get when you have two teams of this level. Of I think they're pretty close in skill. And uh, it was just OG preparing just slightly better in towards the game and had some great moments from their individuals as well. Yeah. Well, I want to go on a little tangent right now because a lot of the North American scene, you know, when they're preparing for Reykjavik, they're looking at these games, they're looking at the moments, kind of the Brent's highlighted, and they're going, oh my God, North American Valorant, what am I watching? So if you're a North American Valorant fan and you want to disguise your IP address and make it look like you're coming from a better region, let's say Korea <laughs> or EMEA, then you can use NordVPN. They're our partners for this episode. And they, you know, with one click of a button, you can launch up NordVPN, hit that button you can pick from 30 plus different countries do you want to make sure that you're thoroughly ingrained in the culture of emea so that you don't appear to be look like a fake fan do you want to know what's on their netflix channels so that you can talk to other emea fans well boy you better be using nordvpn and if you go to nordvpn.com slash valochat or use the code valochat well then you'll get so much lovely stuff you'll get a discount you'll get a free month you'll get a special surprise bonus gift as well really oh boy wow. what is it what is it it's a, it's a surprise oh i can't tell you <laughs> i think i've asked that stupid boy i just had deja vu i think just the idea of something being surprised or secret makes you want to ask what it is yeah you're like a child at christmas <laughs> So yeah, I feel that's, like that that's... ad was targeted at me, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an EVA. I know how to speak to the audience, Bala. I know how Finally, to speak to I can her. relate to the Brazilian fans. Exactly. I'm going there down. you go. I can be a, I can be a real wow. fan of my Brazilian teams as they lose in the first round of Masters. <laughs> no. You're a really good Wyatt River place. Oh no, come on. They're not going to lose in the first round of Masters. No. Okay. I'm sorry, Brazil. I don't Let's move on. Let's move on to the next North American game. <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, it's don't hurt me. You've attracted the ire of the entirety of Brazil don't, with a single attention. comment. Don't worry. They're not paying yeah, attention. They're celebrating. Sentinels are out. Well, let's talk about that then. Let's talk about it. So version one was they, they had an... Up Wait. Oh, sorry. You skipped it. I skipped the topic. Let's not talk about Sentinels yet. Let's talk about the Guard first. The Guard have also <laughs> made it into that upper, upper finals game to play against Optic. Uh, I would argue they had the easier run compared to Optic, uh, having faced against um, Sentinels early on when they weren't playing that well, and then LG as a result of the upset result that we'll talk about in a sec. But... This now puts the guard one win away from making Reykjavik, a result that I don't think anyone expected 
Uh, seriously, even after their group's performance, I still didn't think they would be able to make Reykjavik just because there's a there's a patch change. They're a brand new team. I didn't think they would still be able to sustain their great play all the way through a playoffs bracket against really strong competition. And, and okay, you could argue they haven't played against the best yet in the playoffs, which I would agree with, but they're there and they only have to win one more game. Um, do you think they can do it, Bala? Yes. Yeah, I really do. Um, I think it's going to be tough because Optic really is random right now, in my opinion. But um, if, if, for example, if Optic is playing like they did against Cloud9, then it's different. But if they're playing against the guard who isn't as, in my opinion, like readable and structured, um, it's going to be hard. And I think that's going to be the game that they have. So I kind of favor the guard in that series. Um, but after watching uh, Optic, because I watched the guard games first and then I watched Optic, it mm. made this decision much, much more difficult. But yeah. like in the game against Sentinels, I was loving the stuff that they were doing. Um, just consistently flowing site to site. They adapted the meta really, really good um, with the brim usage. They're also playing um, the Ascend comp online, yeah. which I fucking love, and adding some new stuff to it as well, which I think all the North American teams are doing a really good job of. And then they continuously get better individually. Like Trent, man, I, I don't... We, we sing his praises every week, but this guy just continuously impresses week after week after week. And I don't know uh, how that's possible. And if they continue that, then, yeah, I think they're fa they're almost slightly favored for me um, in the game against Optic. Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you, I think. And part of it comes down to the map pool as well. Yes. The guard have just been so good at broadening their map pool inventing new things taking comps that work for other teams and adapting them to their own players yep. it's so sick to watch them play on uh bind for example with this ascend comp that a bunch of other teams have picked up i mean m3c are currently playing this comp as well but to see jonah p for example pick up the sage pick up the op and just be really solid on that role was something that i didn't I didn't expect to see. I mean, Jonah P has been opping before in his CS career, apparently, which I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Um, and he's been very impressive. And the whole team unit just seems to understand how to play these new comps. It doesn't yeah. take them long to pick up an idea and run with it. And they still play it at a really high level. And when I think about the guard playing against Optic, both teams ban Breeze. Both teams like playing Bind. The, the actual ideas of the maps that they want to play are somewhat similar, but I think the Guard have showcased an incredible icebox recently. The Guard also might just try and just pull out a Breeze pick because they have a week to prep and they're the kind of team that might do that to you. And, you know, if both teams try and float Breeze because it's both teams' permaban, I could see the Guard getting funky with that and maybe throwing one in there and having some, you know, they've just watched M3C's VODs and have the fucking strats prepped or something. I, I think feel Optic like... is also the type of team to do that too, though, because um, they were floating it at Champions. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But Breeze has always been a pretty poor map for... I mean, yeah. Breeze was the map that they started getting rid of when Ye was first added to the team, and it's now also the map that they're getting rid of now. So I feel I, less confident I think I'm saying that with a little that. bit more, like, the context of this season in terms of them, like, adding the fucking 
Haven comp and changing sure. specific yeah. things on different maps as well. It definitely feels like they've departed from the the old optic um, in yeah. that sense. It's to me, it's just a slight possibility, but probably. But they not. are both of these teams. Are looking nasty so right stupid, now. by the way. Just this is like they just TP'd off of long after stimming up long, and then Sentinel stims back after them through spawn, <laughs> and then they stim back to the TP, and Sentinel. They don't actually have a stim anymore, but they go back to the TP. Was this the tens moment? Oh, it was yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, gives yeah. the rifle and catches the time. I mean, even that drop down kill onto Trent. He drops from heaven and just bangs Trent out as soon as he hits the floor. This, this, yeah, this. <laughs> was tens intelligence <laughs> honestly this entire but they go back through the tp yeah back to a and tens region, yeah and it's nice but and that kind of almost had the round as well there's so many this is the craziest round i think i've seen all weekend this is ridiculous yeah yeah it was I, bonkers one. i'm a big fan of the guard for those reasons you put but also they're like one of the only teams that are playing icebox honestly mm -hmm. a lot of teams are either banning icebox or floating it gives them a huge advantage in terms of the map pool because no one really wants to touch it at the moment. How, how well, is it? I, I don't think that's true, though, because they're floating it, which means they're okay playing it in the first round. Like, if a team picks it, like, they're, it, it's like a kind of a mind game, but yeah. they're all banning it in the second phase, which means yeah. they have to have something prepped on it. I um, think, yeah, I think teams, though, from, from the reactions I've seen from pro players about Icebox, is that a lot of teams... A lot of players, for whatever reason, don't like it. Some of them hold the opinion mm. that it's worse, which I disagree with. I just yeah, think I that well. you need to you need to rethink your setups a lot more. Like you mm. can't just go into it with the exact same. Well, um, and ideas. I think the guard is a good example of that, right? When they played on into this, they they go back to to a comp with the omen, and I actually really liked the way they were playing it on this one. A couple mm. creative moments for for Jonah with the TPs. I think the smokes got good value playing around mm -hmm. the mid round. They were a lot more willing to rotate. I mean, this this map for so long was so stagnant. It's just throw your viper util down one side of the map. You'll eventually get there. You have an orb mid to to allow a lurk to come on through. But I, I think the omen gave him a, a good bit on this map. I, I also like that that this is a Saya jet map, but in the very same series, he's playing raise and he. Has the same efficiency uh, on both of those agents which I, I feel like so few duelist players in na have that and are, and are willing to go hop on over to the raise as well so i'm happy with that i think the way that net was playing the chamber on this map as well was was really solid varying yeah. up his trademark position so it wasn't like they were getting shock darted out or, or anything along those lines it was a constant pressure that he was providing on their attacking side which was fucking excellent let's say right <laughs> they, they win 11 rounds on the attack yeah. there was never a moment where sentinels got an off timing there was never a moment where sentinels got like a really good flank on through that yeah. because there was this constant pressure from the chamber util and then because saya was dropping 23 in like what <laughs> yeah. like 17 rounds this guy's yeah. a nutcase is insane and honestly this series right here so we keep saying like uh, we've kind of passed the point of like the narrative talking about when are the guard a tier one team because they're in the tier one oh, no doubt yeah. in our minds Easily. but there's always a risk and i i always want to wait and see with these um like newer rosters when they go up against the teams that were formerly the top dogs sometimes you see them collapse a little bit like the confidence isn't there when they play against the teams that in their heads they were they were watching these guys compete at the very highest level yeah. in 2021 and so when you go up in that match there's always a risk that they're thinking Man, am I am I really good enough to you know to be here competing against these guys, even with Sentinels in their slump? But they played with complete confidence. Um, it wasn't like a disrespectful confidence. It was like we know we're fucking good enough. We know that we're going to be able to take this series. Sire players being set up really well. They were leaning on their team play, leaning on the strats that they developed, leaning on their map pool that they've also been fleshing out week on week on week. Because I was a bit worried in week five with the meta shift because it looked like the you know they hadn't had much time, but. 
They did get they, battered by C9 on those second yeah, two maps. The second two maps, they came into it with... It was clear they were playing their old stuff week. in week five uh, because they hadn't had as much time to prep. So I was thinking, yeah. ooh, is this like... Is this just the fact that they haven't had enough time to prep or are they actually going to struggle in this meta to find their footing? But, but the answer, I, in my opinion, the answer is yeah. no. The, the Guard have so far defied all expectations you should have for a new roster. Like every, yep. every expectation you had for a new roster, like their players don't have as much experience playing in playoffs. Their players don't have uh, as much experience so they should struggle with a new meta. Their players, um, they're, they're just getting their synergy together so they should struggle to flesh out a map pool really deeply. Like all of these things that teams normally struggle with at the beginning of their life cycle, the guard just seem like they just, it's, they just find it easy. Yeah, yeah. I, I did want to actually, Kurt, if you can show two rounds, the Genji, uh, I call the Genji strats one and Genji strats two, because I just want to speak to the prep and how actually like the old stuff is getting used uh, that MCE brought into that team uh, of Genji way back when. So this is the first one where they shocked down the alarm bot in, this is very common now, but this was like the first thing that... Um, the Gen G was the first team that I really, really saw yeah. doing this, and they just walk it up. Whereas Sentinels, they don't react, and this became a, a theme for them in this game. Is they had to have a body here um, because of how good uh, the guard was, not only conditioning the space but actually making it work. Um, and it's sick in this instance. Who was really, really struggling? I mean, we saw a round earlier where he just kind of forgot what map he was playing on and forgot there was not a box behind him uh, when he was watching mid. Yeah. So. They just pop on it and they win the round um, from just pushing out and eventually mm -hmm. just controlling all of mid, which is something that you can't really do on it. So this is that. And then you can go to the Gen G strats too, which is an old ass TP from way, way, way back in the depths where because Omen's being played again, they could bring it back uh, where he just, they're hitting B and who um, was playing uh, Valen just TPs all the way in the back, the old GMD spot uh, that Gen G used to run. And it works really, really nicely, again, because it creates these pinch angles. And when you're not familiar with the map as well, Dapper uh, gets droned off and they have to back off because Jonah PTP'd all the way. So he's by himself. And there's nothing you could do because of the way that the map plays. So if you're thinking about like how new Icebox works, this is a great match to watch, in my opinion, on yes. how the guard, at least, um, manipulate their attacking side. Mm. Uh, yeah, I love that you brought that up as well. Because like previously, you see those like the mid-to-be hits more often than not they they just <clears throat> dissolve into um like just chaos because there was in old icebox there was a lot of like very wide angles a lot of ratty positions that an anchor could play in to hold onto the b side but now when you go through kitchen onto b obviously the entire lower section of nest is blocked off apart from like that bus stop area where you're sitting waiting yeah. for the, the bus you know <laughs> I, I i don't know what i don't i keep going the bus stop but it looks like a bus stop, stop. Yeah. so i i don't know what else to call it i don't i like that call yeah, the bus stop. Mm -hmm. Bus. He's a oh, bus. Hi. He's a bus. He's, He's a bus. But yeah, yeah it's, it, it's clear that they're putting thought into the way the B site has changed, and it's made old stuff more effective as well. They're, they're, they're the real deal. I, I, I think at this point, it's not even a case of like, how far can they go? It's like, wow, I think it's very difficult to call that matchup that they've got against Optic. Yeah, and we'll go into the Preds of that game later on as well. I mean, they did also 2-0 yeah. LG, but... I don't know how much more there is to say about the guard. Mimi, if you want to 
throw some okay, little points so, in so from that game. Okay, so this game had a lot of similar themes to that first map in that it was the exact same map pool and practically the exact same outcome of this stuff that Paula was already talking <laughs> yep. about. Luminosity put up a much better fight. Uh, I want to give him some credit for that. I thought that B-Dog's chamber on this map was really solid. Dazzle was having a performance, and they pulled some creative stuff um, with, uh, with the kind of combinations between the Sage and the Brimstone. There was one round, let me see if I, I, I have it here, um, where he had like this really cool like defensive sided um push up where they kind of hopped on top of the wall um i don't know i i lost my round <laughs> i lost my round it's gone it's gone into the mud um but regardless right. i i think there were some good moments here from luminosity okay you might have found it you might have hunted it down this is their pistol <laughs> round instead um the, the the boy kurt is a little bit a little bit wiser than i with memory but yeah a couple of these really good executes uh <laughs> out of the guard uh the sage on their side as well was really good they they did quite a few of these where they're just giving so much freedom to their sky yeah. player on towards these fights like it, it just kept happening where, where trent would just kind of bounce up top of a wall and fight for elbow mm -hmm. or just consistently ap apply pressure towards the back lines uh, ld never really had a way in and they were playing this comp which well i liked it when it worked it was flashless so they struggle against this brimstone when it has that like 20 seconds of staying power plus the sage wall they, they found a really consistent attack side off of that and then when they got to defense, what was really, really cool, and I, and I know I have a, a clip of this one, is they were pulling out the double op, right? Both rounds 17 and 19, they, they were working with this double op setup. They put one in the hand of Saya player, and then they put the other on yeah. Jonah P. Jonah P was normally anchoring out towards long, it finding a really ton well. of impact there on the Sage. And the Saya was just on the other side of the map, ready to, to ping pong and help out in the same way. Luminosity again. It's a flashless comp. You're going to have a very tough time fighting against that. And and while they had a couple rounds where they maybe droned out one op with the Sova, there's always that second op. It's kind of an ever-present threat. And this one, Jonah yeah. P gets a really sneaky opener. And then they just use Trent's utility to, to fight back on in, an orbital strike to delay. It, it's just the util usage was looking really well set up. And, and there's in the end, just, just Trent <laughs> owning. Just owning. I, I, and I love that this, that example there, I think is an example of the guard thinking about how can they counteract the team's um, play style. Because sure. LG yeah. loved on that map to do like 4-1 splits and a lot of contact plays still, because they're only running the one smoker, they're only running the one, the one brim, I think, right, with this comp. And so when you don't have the yep. Viper to push, when you don't have the Viper to just put up the wall and the orb on A short, you don't threaten that lurk anymore. Yeah. You don't threaten the idea that you could be contacting a player in there. So the LG's comp inherently, they're forced to kind of like stick together to cut information and keep the opponents guessing, but it means they're gonna be walking into angles a lot of the time. And so they, when they get the money rolling, buying the double op, it's like, He's just nuts as well. He's just crazy. That's, I don't know, man. How much of this, though? I want to pose this tough question to the guard mm. fans here at Plat Chat. They have had an easier bracket than Optic. I mean, I think it's unquestionable that Sentinel, I mean, it might seem a bit weird, but Sentinel's LG are definitely easier opponents than XSC9 currently to get towards that upper final. How much do you think that will be a difference maker. Do you think that we're perhaps overselling the guard? After, so they lose to C9, so. and then they beat Sentinels LG in very clean, lovely fashion. But are we overselling their chances of getting to Reykjavik because of that, the bracket draw that they've had? 
They took a map off C9. They were playing onto a new patch that they didn't have much prep time for, and they were playing old compositions. I think it's fine that they lost those two maps. I think it's impressive that they took one to begin with. And I think we'll say Sen and uh, an LG are, are maybe a few of the lesser opponents in towards this bracket. The way that they deal with it, it is so incredibly clean. They show so many different versions, so many different protocols that both their opponents really struggled to adapt. And what makes that more impressive to me is it, it was the same maps both times. It was the exact same map pool. You could have went back and looked at the guard vault and thought, hey, we think we have him down. But then they come out, they pull out this double op setup on bind. Once they get on over to Icebox, they show a couple more looks with the Omen. A lot of mid-pressure off the teleports that was looking really good. You have Saya player who's just consistently looking like a force. He was yeah, in the yeah. series against Sentinels. He was in the game <sighs> against LG here when he was yeah. on that jet. He was absolutely farming for this team. And, and Trent always just has an insane clutch potential. I think these two games just bolster my confidence in them because they go against some of the opponents that have had much rougher times this season and they obliterate them in, in both games. Yeah, yeah. I think that's me and LG a bit as well. Yeah. In terms of that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I LG beat V1, and well, V1 made a lot of mistakes. I think a lot of that was forced errors. LG played some good Valorant in that series. They had some solid moments, and yeah, I, I think you can't underwrite this team. So it makes it all the more impressive that Guard deal with them so cleanly for me. L let's talk about that then. The version 1 uh, upset to LG, and then version 1 beating Sentinels. But let's start with the upset for version 1, because I think it was very unexpected to see version 1 even playing Sentinels in that first round elimination match. Mm -hmm. But it was more so unexpected, in my opinion, to see version 1 down there than it was to see sentinels down there because i thought version one on paper had about the easiest matchup you could get in the first round i thought c9 should easily deal with knights and version one should easily deal with lg absolutely and the other games you know they might be a bit sticky number one seed versus number four yeah in the opposite groups did not turn around like that in fact the biggest upset we had the only upset we had in the first round was this one so yeah. what went wrong here i feel like just starting out the map pool is super weird right yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's they've been banning Bind against any team that has shown that they want to ban Bind. This is V1, um, play Bind, and LG plays Bind, and they're just like, yeah, let's do it. And then they bring, go to the comp curtain, just click on the Bind. Um, then they bring the double duelists that Sentinels have been running, that Xset has been running. It's just not very inspiring to me whatsoever for V1 mm. here, and I think they boom themselves uh, either by thinking that LG was going to try to pick something else or, or I, I don't know. They did say in an interview play. afterwards that they had been working on their bind. You know, they'd been banning it, but they'd still been working on it in scrims. Yeah. And they felt like this was the best period of time to showcase it, presumably mm. because upper bracket yeah. game, so you still have a life and LG are not, okay, they like to play bind, but they're not the best team in the region on bind. So if you wanted to try it, now would be the time. Uh, it didn't work though. Yeah. yeah. And I honestly, it's just... It's just weird because they had the option of just like playing Haven and Haven's fine for them, great for them. And it's something they did at the beginning of the season two where they're just not confident in it. So they ban it instead and play something else. And that ends up costing them this series because LG is not great on Haven. They got boomed by the last two teams that they played in groups. Um, and I think it was what Cloud9 and somebody else as well. It, 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 was, it was just definitely a weird decision. But either way, like this, this map um, to me, and this series in general um, comes down to a couple of things. Number one, B-Dog and Mata were fantastic and TIG as well. And I think they had a better read on the meta than V1 did at, uh, overall. Like, for example, bringing in this single controller comp that NA hasn't seen since the early days before Viper became meta. And um, that catches you a little bit off guard, even though you guys are talking about the Viper uh, deficiency in the last map. And then pistols. LG won. Oh, yeah. What was it? 
Five out of six. Five Five out out of six. six. Fucking ridiculous. And they were good pistols. The funny thing is we just watched the the pistol as well from LG, and it was the exact same thing that they ran later on against the guard. So that kind of scares me because about LG because, and we're talking about V1, but they run the same stuff in later series, and maybe that's something that people can take advantage of. But either way, V1, like, they just looked flat in that game in a way that I think I was talking about when leading up into their optic game uh, where it's a little readable and it's also a little one dimensional because they continue with the same ideas on fracture, for example, uh, on ascent, even so they just are brute forcing one area of the map. And that causes a lot of concessions to be made by the other team. And that allows them to make these really, really pacey change-ups in the, in the hits and like, on Haven, for example, you can think of their conditioning a long or a long, and then they back up and hit C through garage really fast. And that's because you have to spend so many resources to actually pull back towards A. And that's the type of thing I think that costed them in this game. Mm. I feel like as well, I don't know, V1 not got unlucky, but playing against LG's comp, it has so much stall potential on defense side with the Sage Slows and the Brim Smokes and the Molly to lock you out and when you're running the double duelist comp on attack side i feel like it's of great importance to be able to take areas of the map and then explode out from that and not mm-hmm. kind of misuse your utility early and if you're being like if you're being stalled out before you can even get into sites most of the time by these smokes and being cut up it it removes a lot of fire and power out of the comp lg want a lot of post plants i mean you just see them there using the wall in post plant to yeah. to get the stick on the diffuse but even in the first half they were just setting up for these big post plants and as soon as they got the spike down it felt very difficult for v1 yeah. v1 liked to do fast retakes but they it felt like they hadn't been experienced enough on bind to realize how to counter these like heavy post plants that it was where there's three players in market just like re- waiting ready to shoot their mollies and stuff that that round specifically was like uh, what kind of showcasing what I'm talking about in terms of the meta uh, LG bringing it to them, and that's something that I don't think V1 got challenged at at all in the group stages. They were playing teams like Rise and uh, Sentinels and Optic in a lot of instances. Where outside of Knights in that group, they're just running the same old shit constantly. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? And that I I, I honestly feel like this was. Um, kind of not a wake-up call but a, a change in paradigm for na uh, like at least because i feel like groups was already a signal to that uh, where we're starting to experiment with comps a lot more switching maps to maps matchup dependent and whatnot where this one in my opinion showed that that will end up costing games um if you come to a match more prepped in terms of the meta and also just um changing uh your matchups changing mm. based on matchups right yeah and NA has never had that until this season, which I think um, is cool. It, it still was a very close game. I mean, the, you know, if they had moved the map pool in a different direction, if they managed to get to Haven, for example, or even if they'd won in OT towards here, then version one would have been through to the upper. Does it yeah. change where you rank them overall? Because I think most people would have said, and in fact, I think we said on the show, version one and C9 look like the teams that are going to Reykjavik coming mm. out of, I mean, it's not a hot take. Those were the two teams that went undefeated yeah. in groups, but they just did look that level of quality to be able to go, not easily, but they looked like the favorites to make it to Reykjavik. Does this change drastically your opinion of where they should be ranked in North America overall? Yeah. I, I think that it, it, it shows issue with, uh, I, I think 
it was kind of unfair for anyone to make like a hard claim just off the group play. I think it is still so up in the air. I like I'm still of the opinion that anyone in this top six can beat anyone in the top six. I mean, X had almost winning out on their game versus Optic. You have Knights pushing Cloud9 to the limit. You have this game where, where V1 end up losing to LG. I think it does maybe lower my stocks on version one a little bit that, that they didn't elevate to this occasion and, and shut things down. I think that the map pick ban that they played in this game was a little bit foolish, but I also don't think that's me writing them off as, as being a team that could possibly fight their way back on in. It's clear from the tweets and from what we saw after that the players aren't happy with this, that, that their coach isn't happy with this. They want to come back stronger and try and fight their way on through to continue in this bracket. But versus Cloud9, I don't know. that That's going to be an incredibly tough game for them, which I don't know. I don't think I would predict them to be winning out on that one, but I suppose it could go either direction. I think it does lower our stocks a little bit, but it doesn't change the fact that they did look really impressive and that they were f playing fundamentally sound Valorant throughout the groups and that they were implementing a lot of that in towards these games that they've played thus far in the playoffs. It just wasn't enough. They made a few too many mistakes and I, I think that 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 does happen from time to time. I mean, you need to remember that Xander is still relatively new to calling with this roster. He's been looking great thus far, but you kind of expect these stumbles to happen. It's just unfortunate that it happened right here, right now. Mm. I, I think you forget what show you're on, where we 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 on Placha here are are intellectuals who consistently make hard hitting mm. claims. And <laughs> while, while right, you, you want fucking suck, get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, while, while you might be right that everybody has a chance, we like our rankings, okay? Mm. So, yeah, and yes, think, it lowers it. Rankings what down. The, what was that famous <laughs> quote? What was the, like, uh, oh, God, power rankings, something like power rankings are the death of intellectualism like or something. Sin. Yeah, the cardinal sin against intellectualism <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, Dude, you was sound like a religious rebirth of fucking Valorant analyzation from, <laughs> from power rankings. Yeah, I can't like, remember uh, who uh, was a podcast or Valorant, but somebody, somebody was molding about our power rankings and just put it in a beautiful way. I think they said power rankings, or maybe it was tier list, but it was something like power rankings are the cardinal sin against intellectualism. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah. It's like, it's you, true. You shouldn't model teams by just putting them into a ranking, but people love it. And so we love to do it. But anyway, I think <laughs> one of the big points here, too, is that um, they ended up getting tested by Sentinels in this rematch that happened in the lower bracket as well, yeah. which. You know, the last time that these two teams faced, it was fairly simple for V1. They dismissed them with a 2 0 and showed that they were a significantly better team. And then this time around, it's a 2-1 game where Sentinels turn up massively on Haven and then slowly peter out in the next two maps. But it... I love Kurt just fucking VLR and analyzing on her fucking... <laughs> By the way, I can't say that word anymore. Nice. Thank you, Mimi. He just yeah. like highlights 10 score. How do you say it? Analyzing? <laughs> analyzing. 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 Where are you getting that from? <laughs> You're taking analysis uh, and putting uh, izing on the end. It makes sense. It makes sense, <laughs> does it not? Yep, yep. Kind of. I think kind power of. rankings, I would consider pa power rankings analyzing, not analysis. <laughs> Whoa. Now that is deep. That's deep. <laughs> this says so much about our society. That reminds me of, <laughs> reminds me, of me saying hyperbole. Yeah, the hi a little bit of hyperbole. Yeah, hyperbole, you know, like... Uh, Hyperbole. Was that like the championship of it was like it was on like the, it was on like the Overwatch League broadcast of like two hundred thousand people. It was like <laughs> the first two weeks of the, of the show or whatever when the viewership was highest, and 
Yeah. And you're talking about the Teenage Hyper Mutant Ninja Bowl. Turtles was wrong. It wasn't called the Thunderdome. It was the Hyper the Bowl. Hyper Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this game ended up being a, a banger. I'm glad it was, though, because I feel like Sentinels at least went out with a bang instead of a whimper. I was mm -hmm. very scared that Sentinels run. And I think... I think this is the end of an era, honestly, because, Bala, you were talking about it at the beginning of the year. Sentinels simply win in North America. It is just, it almost is a universal law of NA. In Valorant, in NA, Sentinels win. They make top four in all the tournaments. They've been to every major tournament. Masters 1 2022 is the first time that they're going to not be in a tournament here. And it, this streak has been broken. This era has, in my opinion, emphatically come to an end. And I'm glad they did it by at least showcasing some good gameplay instead of just dribbling out. Yeah, but at the same time, I kind of wonder if... I think who, it was either Brenner or Vass a couple of episodes ago said that, like, uh, maybe it was for 100 Thieves, but I think it applies to Sentinels as well. Is them having, like, not a whimpering out a bad thing for them in terms of changing the culture um, down yeah. the line? Mm. So I said you know? 100 Thieves. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So now it applies sensible, to every I, team, I think though, it applies. in the same scenario. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And was this enough for that to be the case? Maybe. But I think it's going to take a lot more than just hiring a coach um, to change this team still. Even though this game looked a lot better. And honestly, this is the first time I've seen, like, a crazy set execute. Um, on the C site for Sentinels. I don't remember what round it was. I didn't get the clips. Uh, but there was many moments where I'm like, holy shit, like this this does kind of feel like a culture shift, but they've always had those moments before as well. So I, I think know. a little bit too late though as well, which is weird. Yeah. Like the culture shift should have came earlier. I mean it sounds like Shaz was at his wits end in the interview. <laughs> he was doing some some hard hitting quotes. Um, yeah he was in one of the interviews where he was just saying like it feels like uh, I can't remember the uh, exact I, wording I, but I think he said something like, even when we were on our dominant run, even when we were at our best, I always told the guys, it's not going to last. We'll just try our best. And then he followed up by saying, right now, though, I, it doesn't feel like we are trying our best. Right. And yeah. he, he said, it, it, we're not taking the same duels we used to. Uh, it's just not the same as last year. Yeah. yeah. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that was the... The easiest way as well. To, I mean, just you, the guts of it. That's, that's just inside the team. It feels like probably the culture was different, you know? Where yeah. so something's changed, a couple of a couple of players maybe just not as driven or whatever. I mean, Shaz, I think, always gives off. For me, watching him, it's clear he's incredibly passionate about winning and competing. You know, so I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not. Yeah, you're right, Bala. It's not something that can be fixed by just including a coach. It's like, it's, yeah, there's it, the attitude shift that comes from that. Sometimes it comes from losses, but in this case, the loss the loss was their game against the guard. Yeah. And if that's the thing yeah. that kicked them up the ass when they're in the lower round of one, like it's, too, it's late. too late. It's way too late. Yep. It felt too late as a whole for this team. Like their entire group stage run was just consistently disappointing. Even when they were winning, it wasn't looking good. And I think this Haven game was actually looking so much more solid for them. Like this was the first time in ages that we've actually seen six KO having synergy with tens and, and setting them up for success with some of the flashes. They had pre-planned executes in a few rounds, which yeah, I think it this looks like they just haven't for so long. Yeah. Um, uh, tens was just on a heater. I forget what the specific stat line was, but like, I was back to heck and loving him for that brief moment. <laughs> he was he was back. My boy was back. And then he like kind of fell away for the rest of it. But like this game one 
was what sent sentinels was like a bread upon right like setting tens up for success him having these crazy pop-off games and then winning i think that na valorant has just moved past this point and, and v1 is the best example even when they were losing i thought they were playing far better fundamentally sound valorant than, than their opponent was in this match their triple flash comp was still really exciting to me i liked the way they worked it they made some mistakes in this game sure they ended up losing there were some bad rounds from them but but still the composition that they're bringing out there is really nice and then we come on into game number two it's a complete paradigm shift whippy anchoring on this on this kj is just looking excellent this this, uh, this tournament run as a whole for whippy has been really really has, exciting yeah. to watch him on the killjoy him on the chamber no matter what role it is he's so so strong as an anchor and the thing is he was getting quite aggressive like i can think of at least two three rounds where he was going forward and and taking care of tents that was a change up right and, and this is one of those rounds right here Whippy just Ferrari peaks and and gets rid of um gets rid of tens instantaneously uh in that one and it, it's just excellent it, it puts V1 in such a good direction I think they started this game with like four or five rounds in a row on the attacking side it, it's clear that Sentinels is still a squad that's really slow to adapt and V1 they did such a good job uh, of varying the pace on this one uh, a couple of these rounds in towards the later beast but some really potent stacking the KO utility with their controller smokes to to continue to stagger teams on out. Like, it's just, it's it's good. It's good from, from V1. It, it's a shame that they lose map one, that it's as close as it was. And it's also a shame that they played such a rough <laughs> game versus Luminosity because I had such high hopes for this team. But still, this this was a much better look for them, even if Sentinels was playing a better game. Yeah. And, and the last time they played, what was it? 13-4 or something on Ascent? It was so, it, it was a stomp. It was like 13-4 yeah. and like 13-7, I think. They roly-polied well. them. They absolutely yeah. roly-polied <laughs> them. And then... This time around, at least Sentinels put up a fight, but at the end of the day, it's a Sen. It's version 1's best map. They look incredible there. And and I think you bring up a good point too. Whippy is currently looking like the best Sentinel in North America, and no one yeah. appears to be talking about it at all. I, there's not even actually... I don't think it's that close. I think it's Whippy, then a long drop-off, and then it's probably it Mitch yeah, in like Mitch. second place. And then... I, I don't even know who's next, to be honest. Maybe Dapper if he continued playing like that, but he had a really rough group stage too. Like The yeah. region doesn't actually have that many amazing Sentinel players, and Whippy, Whippy is currently looking like a boss because he's got the fragging department down, and he's playing a lot of Chamber, a lot of Killjoy, and just smart timings on his peaks, good... Uh, good positioning in terms of like how he takes the fights off his teammates and off the state of the map, so... Yeah. Russian Sentinel players. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, are any of them going to Iceland? That's the that's no. the question. Mm. Yeah, but that's a question for another pod, I think. Pod? Why do I keep saying pod? What a twat I am, pod. dude. It's because it's because you and Kurt say it ironically, and now I'm saying say pod. You, why I, it does, why I, I have never said that. I've never Someone said the word pod. Josh, Josh is revealing his hidden second ironically. line. Josh goes to wine bars late at night. He dresses in a suit. <laughs> And he tells people in the city of Austin, I run a pod company. <laughs> Someone says it ironically. I, I, wouldn't be, I, I, think I have Wyatt never said the does. word pod. Maybe. Definitely Wyatt. It's 100% yeah, Wyatt. Yeah, I think you it's guys Wyatt, told story about, about going to some comedy club or something like that. And Joe Rogan was there. And you guys were like walking up to him and be like, hey, Dude, I do a pod too. We do pods. <laughs> hey, we're, we're both, we're doing pods. We do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. No, Wyatt's told me this. It's 100% him. I've heard him say the word pod. Like I know. He, he, fucking, okay, he okay. loves we being a podcaster. Wyatt. He loves his pods. <laughs> I apologize to Brandon Kurt. I've, mi yeah. I've maligned you. I'm sorry. It's Wyatt. He is the filth that seeped close. into my brain. <laughs> um, 
Take do, it back. Do, What'd you just say? Take it back. Not about White <laughs> River. So d just before we move on from this topic, though, just to summarize, what is the future of Sentinels? I feel like just a little mm. small topic here, sending sending them off from stage one. It is a monumental period for North American Valorant. They have, the, the, the shackles have been broken. Your oppressor is no longer there winning every tournament. Where do you see, I don't want to know like what exactly you would do with the roster or, you know, all of that shit, but just general broad strokes. Where do you see the future of Sentinels going? Can they return to the top? Do they need mm. any roster changes? Is this still a roster that can get success? Like, what, what are your broad strokes takes on this team from what you've seen so far in 2022? They need a culture shift. They, they, need, they need a straight-up culture shift from, from where they've been thus far. Uh, frankly, it, it has seemed like they've gotten more and more complacent. They have not adapted as quickly as other teams have. It is ridiculous that they don't have a coach. I mean, team, team, I mean the, the meta these days is have, like, a bazillion coaches. Like, most of the successful teams have at least a coach and an analyst to help out. It is just too much work right now for one person to be able to pull it off. You need people constantly practicing in the server focusing on up. I don't know inside their team. I don't know what players are the issue, but it's clear that that time, either it's not happening happening enough or it's not productive enough and isn't being taken seriously. Something has to shift. If the players can change their mentality and get back to where they were with maybe a new coach edition, that's fine. But if it takes it, I don't really care what player it is. If you need to cut tens because he doesn't align with the culture of the team, I don't care. There are plenty of talented players in NA, and I think that that whatever it is, roster changes, or if it's just bringing a new coach, players don't mean anything. What you've achieved thus, thus far doesn't mean anything if you're against improving in the future. But also clout. Mm. Counterpoint. Well, no, you do what we were clout. talking about with Wardell. You just you you bench them and you keep them in roster jail to be a content creator. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, the... that's what Cloud Nine did to Tens. <laughs> Although ten, yeah. Tens did that to himself, I <laughs> and suppose. then they made like a million dollars selling him. Easy, yeah. easy. More. Yeah. The. Yeah. So I've seen in the past with player-run teams where the benefit of them is that obviously if everybody is on the same page yeah. and they're feeling themselves and like the confidence is good, the chemistry is good, then you can go on some unbelievable streaks and you can improve at a rapid rate. There's less like moving pieces in terms of like another individual telling you what to do. You're all one, one less person in the server time means that you're all going to be roughly on the same page. You know what I mean? As opposed to like listen to a coach, but yeah. there's a couple of issues that arise from that kind of environment. And it's like, if one or two players suddenly lose the passion to compete and improve up to the same rate as the other players, that creates schisms. But you've already set the kind of... You've already set the expectation that, like, it's all good. Like, you, you, you know, you're, you're all friends with each other. You all get along. So you don't want to change up that environment. Mm -hmm. And then, because nobody's taking that kind of leadership responsibility to even make necessary changes in the roster... Not even, I'm not even going to say they should make necessary changes, whatever. But... Because nobody's even taken that leadership mantle and they're too comfortable being friends, this is what I've seen in the past is that changes just don't happen. You end up stagnating and nobody wants to call out the people who aren't putting in practice because you don't want to upset the, the, the friendship that you've got or like the chemistry that you've got. And it just leads to a slow, sad stagnation usually. That, where that is you drop a big off. benefit of having like a coach or, a, or even like, yeah. yeah, like somebody that's so, in there because they can... They can be the dickhead, and it's expected. If you have a mm. teammate that's doing that, it feels it feels wrong. And feels like there's a weird hierarchy within the team. It can feel like 
you, you know, need someone, someone to be the you. bad guy. To lead, to lead on to that point, Shaz has spoken in the past that when he picks up a coach, he wants the coach to understand the culture within the team. And also, he wants somebody who the players are going to respect. And that is probably only going to be a former pro player. Well, most likely. They said that they're the, currently trialing coaches, including... Yeah. Well, what was the most recent one? It was Irie Mix and Kaplan. Kaplan does have some former player experience. And then uh, Tens recently had an interview. Apologies, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was on the subreddit if you wanted to go and find it. But the um, interview was him essentially saying, we will have a coach the next time right. you see us. Yeah. So yeah. they're either working with one at the moment that they're ready to sign or they already have signed, they just haven't announced or something like that. But there's, but there's it's, going to be a coach for this so, team. So my takeaway is though, it's okay for... It's not necessary that your players like your coach. Does that make sense? If you're trying to find a coach that all the players gel with because the coach... I, I think in general, but want... not for Sentinels. If they, do, if they don't like their coach, it's going to fail. Of course, right. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, do, you either, do, you, do you pick up a coach that's going to understand the culture and not really push to make too many necessary changes um, and just kind of like ap apply more ideas and give Shaz more breathing room when it comes to developing strats and, and prep? Or do you get somebody who's actually going to hold that leadership mantle to make changes when they're required? Because I think the second is more for long-term growth, but I just don't think Sentinels will make that decision. I think they'll get a coach that fits within the culture and it will kind of just be like supplementary to what they're already doing. Yeah, I think mm, that yeah. might be... It's possible that that'll be enough to keep them competitive though because I don't think they're far away. Uh, I really don't. I think they, <laughs> they took one week. <laughs> what is that? What, what? Give away. Kurt's just scrolling through the <laughs> Sentinels Twitter, that? finding stuff that he enjoys. Anyway, yeah. uh, Shaz also had a clip on stream um, where he was talking about practice time as well. And talking saying, about practice? He was, he was talking about practice schedules, yeah. And because people, the Sentinels fans hop onto, you know, like a, a talking point and then they just badger him in the chat about it constantly. And so occasionally, Shaz, he sees like thousands of comments saying the same shit in his Twitch chat while he streams. And then eventually he gets to the point where he snaps, <laughs> makes a comment about it, and it's immediately clipped and posted on the Reddit <laughs> as if he just decided to talk about it of his own volition. But this one was about practicing where he was saying it, it's not, it doesn't just track that the people who practice the most win the most. He was saying... Do you, think, do you think 100 Thieves in NRG practice less than we do? Is that why they're worse than we are? So the point that it seemed like he was trying to make was that the two are not um, always causally aligned. Linear. But when you've got a team like Sentinels who are fantastically talented, you need the hard work to compete with all of the other teams who are also as talented. I mean, you can, you can out-talent other teams for sure. But the, I don't think it's a coincidence that teams like... Gambit and Ascend were the two best teams of 2021. One winning champions, the other being the most consistent team of the year. And they practice some of the most in the entire world. And they have coaches that are helping them get the most out of that practice time too. Hmm. Uh, it's not enough to... What's the famous quote? It's something like, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Something hmm. like that. I can't exactly remember the quote. You could absolutely coach quote, like a little Dude, I'm imagining team. Josh is like a gym teacher now. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about missing 100% the shots you don't take. Good hustle, boys. Let's Good fucking hustle. go. Like he's, he's in <laughs> there it. You go. He's in it. The My field Megan hockey Bamba. coach. This this is the this is the famous quote that popped into my head as soon as I as soon as I saw this because 
there, there are teams out there that aren't as talented as Sentinels that are better than them because they've done more prep work and have a better team environment, uh, that kind of shit. But if Sentinels fix that element, personally, I don't think they need roster changes. I think that's the only reason they would need a roster change is to fix the culture. Like if there's somebody holding yeah, them back. I mean, that's, yeah. Not for I didn't stress reason. that, but that is what I would, that's what I was trying to I, get at. Yeah. And I think I think what I'm trying to get at, and I agree with pretty much everybody here, but the, I I just don't think that there is a possibility of them fixing that with the ideas that they're going to go for, it, which leads mm. to me to believe that unless they really busted up this roster, yeah, it's never going to happen. Mm. And you're right as well, Josh, that they can probably contend. We have to remember that I think because they lose here, they go all the way back down to open quals. But I'm not exactly sure about the format. Do they really? Uh, they don't even get invited to the next uh, I group believe stage. so, right? Because there's going to be... Mad. I think it's just top four, if I'm recalling. I, I would I would assume it's top four because that's exactly how it was the first time around. But it could be like top eight. Or, or it could be top eight or who knows what the fuck. But um, yeah. It doesn't seem we... as structured as the EMEA system where it's all laid no. out in advance. Yeah. yeah. But okay. All right. Well, we'll have a little jump cut. Boom. Magic trick. Whoa, I made the podcast better. Oh, he's still here. Okay, never mind. I need to make an apology <laughs> to... I want to apologize to Vanity. Okay. And uh -oh. Emie. Well, we're apologizing. Can I apologize to Brazil? What, what, I love what, Brazil. I love you we, all. Why are we yep. offering mid-podcast apologies? Because the break was a great time of reflection. <laughs> I'd like to apologize I, the, to Mimi as well. In, in the break, you, I reflected. Oh. And uh, yeah, you know, I felt like you the know, segment I'm a I changed, did... I'm a changed woman. I, yeah. I went upstairs. I made myself a new glass of tea. And I just thought to myself, I just thought to myself, fuck, man. I love Brazil. I love the Brazilian people. <laughs> I love Brazilian Valorant. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah no, I, that's fair that's fair. i just really want to be friends with vanity so i feel really bad about my segment okay okay i, I mean him. I, I feel like we shot him a lot of bail as well during it okay let's talk about some na predictions all right so mimi it's your first yes. time here in a while we've been running some deep level stats i know you like looking at delta acs from map one to map four etc but this is yeah, i, mean, I this love is some, stats you know me <laughs> this is some real <laughs> shit okay this is predictions win rate so let's take a look over the last week Dude, all right my, okay. my friends, i swear to god i am leaning towards 50 Dude, everyone has like the most professional picture at mine it's just some random going live image <laughs> holy shit okay. i won I mean, I mean, you have the highest yeah. percentage. You have the highest percentage because you have the lowest sample size. Yeah, that's, this is, what, that's what you would yeah, say. That's this, what you would say, yeah. This is how stats lie, I, here, okay? Here. I think I would know a thing or two about statistics. Wait, why am I red, nah, man? I think I would know a thing or two about statistics. I see 83%. That's higher than 70 so I don't think you have a place to talk to me here. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> that's true. We'll see how it point, matches up. I'm going to be replaced by a coin flip. Yeah, you're yes. currently still I'm, just I'm getting close. <laughs> I'm getting close. <laughs> so, um, we did a match of the week. Last week was the first time we'd done this like plat chat match of the week. We chose Sentinel's Guard because it, I mean, it, it seemed like a banger from the, from the outside. <laughs> Didn't end up <laughs> yeah. actually being like that. Dude, so let's see what Timmy! the little Timmies did. Yo, viewer predictions. Let's go, Timmy. Let's go. Nice. Whoa. So the, the view. So what this means is the viewers also correctly uh, predicted the guard, right? Okay. Well then, you win, little Timmy's. Well, well done. done. Well done. You got it correct Woo. this week. Nice. So we've got another nice. one for you. All right. Next one coming up. There's going to be a poll posted on Thursday. All right. So if you're watching this live, you can't vote right now. 
But if you wait until Thursday, then you can vote, okay? So hold your horses. So there was a lot of engagement. We don't want any of that, all right? We don't want any engagement (laughs) saying, where's the ball? Where's the ball? (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Don't tweet at us. Um... The clip and a poll will be posted on Thursday. You can vote in the community tab on YouTube and on Twitter as well. There will be two polls running for all of you that don't, you know, don't have tweets to do. But you so, should smart. make one as well. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, well, for your mental I health, would, maybe I would say don't. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> no, in my personal experience, it's, you could, right, and it does, listen, it helps the all idea, of our careers. Yes, and, and it'll get Mimi a check mark, and mm. everybody will be happy. You yeah. still not have a check mark? No, I'm poor. I'm destitute. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay. Well, the match of the week this week. Yeah, well, there you go. You can you can go and follow Mimi at... You know, maybe it's because you've done the me approach of having a dog Twitter handle. Yeah. Evil cat is... Yeah, it's fucking terrible. It, <laughs> it's not... It's not great. It's not it's good. So, I mean, even if you just say evil cat, they're going to type it in wrong. They're going to start with the wrong they're gonna, letter. They're going to type it in wrong. Yeah, it's pretty egregious. <laughs> it looks cool, though. Dude. I got only, I don't know what account this is. Did Kurt unfollow me for this bit? Did Kurt unfollow <laughs> me and refollow me for this bit? Is, is this on the plot oh, chat? No, we're, plot plot chat. chat. Okay. we're very okay. exclusive. We this don't even follow Doug. No, we're exactly. very exclusive. That's very fun. exclusive. Doug That's and fun. Jammies, two big hitters within the Valorant scene. <laughs> Don't follow either of them. That's how exclusive in a very exclusive club. Okay, so the, the match of the week this week <laughs> is that upper bracket game. The the winner goes to Reykjavik. It doesn't get much more match of the week in North America than that. It's the guard playing against Optic. So this is a big one. Chat, you'll have your opportunities, but we have gone mostly with the guard. What? Three of us with the guard, oh. and only Mimi actually going for Optic. After I, all that, Mimi. After, after all, all that. that. After all that. I mean, I, I okay. I'm going to defend my take, first of all, about Optic. I think that Optic looked really pretty solid against Cloud9. I've really loved the way that they've been implementing the Chamber for Ye. I think it looks exceptional. I think FNS is a really good IGL. I like the way he plays Killjoy. I think that the Guard, you know, they've, they've gotten some good experience under their belt. They have some good fundamentals. Saya player's insane. I just like in matches like this to lean a little bit on the experience. I think in a head-to-head, these teams are incredibly close. And I think Optic's experience makes me lean a little bit more towards them. Uh, I also think that in the head-to-head, I would put my money on Ye uh, over Saya player for for kind of the the early stuff. I think also the way that they've implemented Raisin to a lot of their comps, the way they're playing Marved on the Brimstone has also been really exciting to me. They've been one of the teams that I think have adapted best to the controller changes, especially with those those Brimmy comps. Um, that they've been playing a little bit of the Omen on Marved. They were really quick to switch on over, and they've looked good at it. They're innovators, they're exciting, and they have experience. I think it'll be very, very close. There's a world where guard win, but my prediction is for Optic. And I don't think that's unreasonable, actually. I, I, I think this one's going to be tough for a community vote as well, because yeah. in, I, my, yeah. in my head, it's pretty fucking even. The reason I, that, I find it really difficult yeah. to predict. I mean, I'm, that's it. Yeah. I was just supporting your point. No, I, uh, I had a hard time with this. Yeah, so, so did I. I think the, what I ended up tipping me to the, to the guard is the map pool argument, because... Mm. The, you've got both teams like to permaban breeze and in my head it is more valuable for guard to remove ascent in that first round ban and just float their perma because i don't think optic are going to want to pick it into them 
Optic have removed it for a long time. You don't know whether the Guard are planning to do that as well. So I think it would be dangerous to, for Optic to pick Breeze there and punish them for it. But I think if the Guard just remove Ascent, they're actually looking good on all the other maps in the pool. I think the maybe Optic would be best like going to Haven in that kind of world, but that was the Guard's best map. So I don't even know. Like They just look good on Icebox. They look good on Bind. They look good on a range of the different maps. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah. I'm struggling to see where Optic get the wins if Guard remove a scent. Mm. That's that's where my head is going. Like I don't also, see the two maps where birthday, Optic win. Oh, you're right. Fuck. Change Unless he's like the Queen of England. <laughs> Unless he's Change like the it. Queen of England and he has an official birthday and a, a you know casual birthday. What, really? Is that a thing? The, the, queen, qu the queen has two birthdays, yeah. Why? She hey, was spawned twice like okay. a demon from two, the soul right, of her mother. Wait. We have two British people here. Do either of you care about the queen and the royalty and all whoa, that? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's like blasphemy well, some what shit. Do you, so, what, what do you mean by care? I, I wouldn't take a bullet for her. I think we're beyond that level of, like, protecting the monarchy. <laughs> I mean, but... are you, like, are you bricked up for the queen? Motherfucker, Prince Philip isn't bricked up for the queen. <laughs> Uh, personally, no. I'm not for up for the queen. That's not an answer. Me That's personally, not an answer. no, no, um, no. I'm not. I, no. Do I? Do I? When I, I'm actually planning on going back to the UK at some point during this year. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be staying in London for a little bit. Yeah. And I'm not planning on backchesting at Buckingham Palace. No. I'm not, not planning on going crazy for royalty. Yeah, I think the people who care the most about the royalty. Uh, people outside of the UK. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, a lot I mean, of American people. Do you, like, do you yeah, think that's she royal should be family, the queen? Isn't it? Isn't like, do you think like... it is worth the money of the British taxpayer to have her as the queen? I think they pull in more money. I don't want to go into the economic what arguments you... of whether they, they pull do... in more tourism industry than we than we spend on I them. I think they do, but also I'm just that might be propaganda. They're very smart. The the, the Royal Society in the UK. They've got. They're essentially they're almost like like a. They've got PR management. They've got different, you know, departments that are... Listen, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories here, but while we're on the topic of NA predictions, might as well. I'm, I'm hoping... I was waiting for somebody to say, I mean, here's the thing, fuck it's off, like move on. I wasn't expecting you to give me space to continue. <laughs> move us please. along, host. Yeah, please. Go, peasant. <laughs> Don't, don't let me keep talking. All right. Shut the fuck up then. Let's go on to the next game. The next prediction we got from North America. It's Exet playing against LG. This is down in that low bracket. Everyone's got Exet, man. Wow, I think this is actually closer. Dude, I think this is closer. This, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, 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 it looks like we're disrespecting LG, but I cannot stress enough how much LG are... Someone's clicked with them in this new meta, and they're playing towards comps that excel with a lot of their strengths and individually a lot of players are owning yeah this is actually a dangerous game for exit uh -huh. i i think it's that kind of situation where they're like what 55 60 40 favored but we all just thought they were so we all went for them i don't know i don't see this being like a i think it could be a really one-sided game because exit sometimes just stomp the teams that they're that they feel good against and they always mm, win against lg always. doesn't matter what iteration of lg they yep. always win but I do think there there is some level of danger here. I don't think XS map pools looked incredible. Um, I think LG are decent enough at bind to give XS a bit of a run for their money if that's what XS go for. Um, yeah, I, I I could see this being like a tight two zero for XS. 
I, I think LG's been the most underrated team the entire season. <laughs> and this is crazy to me. For, I mean, the reasons I went for XO was just because from what I saw, yes, sure, LG was on top of the meta, but like what I said when we watched the, the clips from the game against the guard, it feels like they don't have more than what they had this first week. And that could mm -hmm. change. Um, obviously, Mac uh, on that team as well as coach, right, is doing good things over there. He's not a land, though. He can't shout at Exet and call them bums. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a positive. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, i surprised by this. Really mm. surprised. Okay. Well, then, let's go on to another game in the lower bracket. Both undefeated teams from the group stage only one of them will be able to survive. Only one of them has any chance of making it to Reykjavik. It's Cloud9 playing against version 1. And it? we've gone with... Ooh, three of us with Wait. Cloud9 and then Bala believing in version 1 here. Yeah. Oh, I think I changed that. <laughs> I'm looking. Wait a moment. Let's see. When did you change it? This morning. Well, I uh, built the assets uh, last night, so uh, I'll change it now. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, Bala, at, le at the very least here, even if you're not actually going with version 1 officially, you were uh, at some point believing <laughs> in version 1. So talk to me about yeah. why you were flip-flopping in, in this regard. Um, because I think today was the day I finished the Cloud9 Optic series, and even though the last map that I watched this morning was uh, the Ascent game, I think that it was much closer than the score appeared to be. And also, um, I watched a little bit more V1 this morning, and I think it was the V1 LG series in particular that I was just not uh, thrilled with. And it continued the um, stories of them the, the, the stuff i've been saying all episode and the last time i was on the episode as well uh but i was just not super thrilled with cloud nine's uh night's game either i mean they, they dropped the map and it just was it just felt a little sloppy from them and i feel like that has been the case all season i haven't seen the massive peaks outside of the optic game uh where they've been challenged enough that they need to bring out those peaks and mm. i think that that's kind of a reason why i was going for v1 in the first place but again, the matches that I watched this morning changed my mind. So mm. I was very torn on this one. I went back and forth and back and forth, wrote out a map pool that I thought, tried to see who I thought would win it. And in the end, I just punted for Cloud9. And I expected us to be a little bit split here because I really feel like this is going to be a banger of a match in the lower bracket. I think neither of these teams are looking perfect, right? Like yeah. they're both really good, but then neither of them are looking so clean that you've got to go for them. They, they've showcased weaknesses at various times. They have had tough games against lesser competition. It, it's a really tough game to predict, I think. And I, I, at the end of the day, what I ended up thinking about was the, the version one weaknesses in their playoff run so far. And the, that being more showcased than the Cloud9 mm -hmm. ones. I feel like Cloud9 were closer to be able to make it into that upper final and beat Optic than version one were. Yeah, for me, it's just I have I have two wolves inside my head. One wolf <laughs> loves Cloud Nine. One wolf loves V One. I let them brawl, <laughs> and Cloud Nine won. <laughs> that must be a new meme <laughs> that I'm not aware of. Two wolves inside your head. I. That's like I understand it. 
You know, like the fucking dude, like the weird people at high school who wear trench coats. Yeah. Apologies if anybody's uh, watching and they are that person, by the way, but you should stop wearing a trench coat. Um, are you alleging that the average Platchat viewer was the weird kid in high school who wore a trench coat? No, of I mean, course, our viewers would never. It's. I feel like the viewers are also just reflections of ourselves in some capacity. Did you did you used to be the weird guy? I well, I didn't have a trench coat, but I was very I was quite strange. You wore that on a t-shirt with a trench coat. But over it, the top it's always of it? it's always the people that they, they they're just a lone wolf man in society. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Them against the world. I was a yeah. weird kid in high school, so wait, wait, but wait, I never wait, how I never relate to what coat. you just said. It's like one step into the fucking strangeness of like <laughs> it it. it I, I, I listen. I thought it was funny. I didn't I think. Thought it was funny too. I thought it was funny. Was yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. No, why? Why are you? Why are you getting? I don't know. Handsy with me. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're threatening to throw hands because I. Because I you insulted know. the queen. You made, you made fun of me watching Japanese speedrunners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Okay, we also have a, another segment here after our clown view one. We've already predded one of the teams that we think is going to make it to Reykjavik, right? Because the winner of Optic Guard makes it to Reykjavik. But there is still a long way for the other teams to go. It, it, maybe the favorite would be whoever wins the C9 version 1 game. Maybe the favorite would be whoever loses the, uh, the, the Optic Guard game. But there's still a long way to go in the bracket. So we're putting the bold preds on the line here. Who is that other team that you think is going to make it to Reykjavik out of North America? And none of us have the... Oh, no. Me and Bala have the same, uh, the same. So let me read this through for the audio <laughs> viewers, actually. So me and Bala have Guard Cloud9 making it through. No optic currently. No version 1. Uh, nobody, in fact, has version 1 making it through. Bren has Guard Except making it through all the way through the lowers, and Mimi has Cloud9 Optic, so a, a kind of repeat of that upper semi final that happened. I think defend the except pick to begin with here, Brent, because they would have to go on a storm through the lowers. They'd have to beat yeah. LG, which, okay, they're favored to, the winner of C9v1, and then the one of the guard and Optic. For him, it's Optic. Yep. Right. So yeah, of course. I, I thought it would be. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was very torn with this because when somebody asked me the other day um, who I expected to make it through, like after we had seen all the matches we played out on Sunday, and I was still really torn because the Optic Guard game, I think, could honestly be down to a 50-50. I'm just giving it a slight edge to the guard. I don't really know in that capacity. And in the lower bracket, we have this big break in between where the teams are playing matches where not only can teams get more up to scratch with maps that they might not be comfortable in the meta and the pool. But in a weird way, I think the meta shift has kind of helped Xset because I think they're on the verge of almost getting... They've been perma-picking Breeze a lot of the time, running the double controller comp. They've switched away from that. And I think as a result of the meta shift, they've done that. They've moved away from like the, the Astra and now Death is playing the Cypher for them, mm. with the Breeze pick. I, I think that was a blessing in disguise, honestly, because I think that against top teams, they would be able to find little quirks within that comp against it if they let Breeze into the pool. So they would have ended up losing their permit pick. Mm. So I think that was a blessing in disguise. One, another question mark I had for Xset was, is Cryosaurus going to be consistently good? So far, from what I've seen, he has been consistently good. I mean, Cryosaurus has been popping off 
um, in a lot sure. of recent games. He's only going to get better with more time, I think, in terms of that team and Exeter, the structure. And they've kind of just kind of... Exeter have fallen to the wayside a lot in terms of eyes on them because there's just been bigger teams, bigger storylines. Right. And they've just kind of been gliding by. But genuinely, like, look at those fucking numbers. I mean... <laughs> what sure. Bigger number, that? better they've team. Had, they've had some easy matches, but I definitely think recently Cryo's been, uh, been doing uh, quite well. You, you've got them predicted to win against C9 and Optic, though, yep. at the bottom, so, right? So, what well, I've noticed... They, they didn't win against C9. They were in the group with them, and they kind of right? flattened, week four they, in that game? Yep, week four. Yeah. Very different map pool um, in terms of like stages. what teams like to play. Because, honestly, it was a very close match between them and Cloud9. Was it? I can't exactly remember. I thought they got flattened, but... They won map one, and then it was kind of one-sided after that, if I recall. But the, it was behind uh, map one, too. Icebox so. was... Yeah. I remember Icebox being incredibly back and forth in terms of, like, adaptations that both teams were making. Mm. Like, it was a really sick game in terms of seeing the, um, the way that both teams were moving around the map, the way they were playing right. against each other, switching stuff up based off what one team was doing. It was a dope game to watch, and... Yeah, just ended up obviously being squeaked out to, to Cloud9 side. Oh, but the yeah. shift puts things into question okay. a lot. I remember this one. Here's what I want to say. So so my question to you is, is let's say Exit beat LG, which I think is a distinct possibility. We then go into a match where they're either, either playing Cloud9 or V1. All of us are predicting, or everyone but you is predicting Cloud9. So it's probably Cloud9. Let's say hypothetically it's that team. Cloud9's compositions, I think, match up very well against an Exit that is still really heavy on the old Astra and on the old double duelist. Uh, Cloud9 is a, is a team that's playing a lot of the KO. They're playing a lot of these heavy heavy flash comps that work so well to shut down early aggression and, and shut down phase checks. And at least on three maps in the pool for Exet, they're very reliant on those phase checks. When they're when they're just going with the with the jet raise comps, it, it's constantly having to be the dry peaks on through. I think a team like Cloud9 punishes that if we re-see that matchup come on through. Mm. Possibly. The, yeah, I, I don't... I can't really get into comps too much. Or, or I don't I think could. they're going to play bind, so I don't think that's relevant anymore. Mm. Anyway. I, I think that with the break that we've had, there's going to be a lot of just variables I mean, there's, included. There's definitely time to change. I, I'm not saying I'm not faithful. I think they'll play it's a close more, game. It's, I'm thinking more from the perspective of I've seen like both Optic and Cloud9 play, and there's been inconsistencies over the weeks in terms of them sure. playing. Like some maps, some maps Optic will get fucking rolled and then they just lose confidence and peter out. Some maps Optic, everyone's playing on, on, on top form and they're, and they're rolling their opposition. Cloud9, they're, they're having these really alternating halves where sometimes they're just struggling to get anything done. Like if Cloud9 pick bind, I mean, they're not if you look at it, Cloud9, oh, uh, if have only ever lost to the, to the three teams the rest of us have predicted. 2-1 lost to Optic, 2-1 lost to Guard, 2-1 lost to Cloud9. I mean, uh, other than those games, they've looked really impressive. They stumbled a little bit in that 100 Thieves series, but other than that, they've had a lot better control against some of these lower ranked teams and I think even someone like C9 has had. Yeah. Uh, frankly, the only thing that's surprising about this bold prediction segment to me is that nobody went with version one at all. Because mm. I think I think there is still a serious chance that they could make it through. If they win the Cloud9 game, a lot of us have C9 going through here. Yeah. Three of us have Cloud9 going through, and version one could end that in a single match and could easily make the same run that we're predicting Cloud9 could make too. So uh, it's so open. There's a possibility that, every, I mean, it's not possible that all of us get all of the teams wrong, but it's any one of us could have both of our teams incorrect, but I feel. Biggest point is, I didn't have a fucking clue, so I didn't know. <laughs> and I took a punt, and I didn't, I didn't want to... It's a bold bread. I well, appreciate it. BCJ, BCJ, he... <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I <laughs> prayed against Xset, yeah. and he tweeted me, he said... Yeah, so you're doing it for the clock. 
come on big guy yeah i was like i can't yeah i can't i can't do <laughs> yeah, it man that's i true. can't i can't i can't put against him you know listen i'll take a punt i'll take a punt on it why not yeah absolutely all right well these are some bold preds we'll we'll see how badly these age as we return to them in the uh the it, already one week. thing we've said earlier has aged oh, poorly god we'll get to that in a second we'll get to that in a month. <laughs> oh um, god right the next thing to crack on with though and i want to get this done fairly quickly so i'm going to implement a strict system okay is the na power rankings right we've already discussed quite oh. a lot of where we see north america facing off I want to do just a quick boom. This is where we see people power ranked at the moment because I think it's all over the place and the bracket preds are actually really different to the power rankings in my head too because <laughs> of the way the bracket has played out with like an upset result happening, putting C9 version one towards the bottom, etc. So I want to I want to try and nominate a person to put someone in pole position and we'll have small debate, mold about it, move on. That's the system here, right? Okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, it's so gonna be so that person gets their vote right what? off the beginning. Unless there's like oh. a, a veto from everybody else. Okay. okay so cool. I'm gonna start with you, Bala. Who uh -huh. is the best team in North America right now? If you Luminosity. had to put your money on somebody, who? Luminosity. Shut the no. Fuck up. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Well, no. He's, I mean, he... this is a fucking great system. I like he... it. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, he's. Uh, He's a treacherous demon. Uh, cloud, cloud nine is what I would put. You'd go with C9, cool. despite the fact they're mm -hmm. in the lower bracket right now as well. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, this is just groups. like this isn't based off the bracket. This is just like raw power rankings. Who do we think is the best? Like, yes. The majority yes. of the time. But okay. Then the, yeah. The reason, the reason I want to do this segment is because it is different to the bracket preds because the bracket preds are dependent on which opponents you match up to one to one right yep. now and North American like the actual strength of the teams is going to be different to where they actually land. Okay, so if we've got C9 in first, Mimi, who would you put into second place there? Optic or Envy yeah, on this one. Oh, Envy. yeah, of course. We actually haven't changed them to Optic. That's fine. Whatever. Envy, Optic's the same thing. Um, so you'd put them into second place, despite the fact that version one finished ahead of them in their group. I mean, they did I think finish so. second. I think they had a rough group. I think they've improved a lot heading into the playoffs. I think this patch favors them. Okay, all right. These are going to be some bold predictions, uh, bold mm -hmm. rankings here. These are going to be some bold rankings. Um, Brent, who would you have in third place? Can I put um, guard in one? <laughs> and just shift everyone else down? You would just, your turn would be to put guard at number one this. and shift the rest this. downwards. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> Look what Kurt's done to optic. The green wall, dude. It's wow. the green wall. Yep. No, that looks beautiful, Kurt. That looks really uh, good. I'll, I'll put guard in third. Well, I mean, you can put guard in one if you'd like. It ruins our entire system, but I think it's funny. Okay, let's put guard in one. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm not even vetoing it. I don't I'm know. not actually that mad about this. I mean, I'm a little yeah, mad. It's I'm a little mad. Just a just a tinge of mad, but uh, whatever. <laughs> okay, well, okay, my my go then, and we're, we're gonna put somebody. Uh, I'm gonna put version one in there. I mean, uh, version one have to be in there. They literally are a top four team, a and one? I think. No, I'm not going to put them a one, though, no. I think I'm going to... Yeah, I think... I'm gonna, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them at fourth. I'm not going to make Kurt move update because he has to move the text as well. <laughs> we'll, put them in, we'll put them in at fourth for now, but I do also feel a bit bad for V1 putting them in that position. I feel like the patch kind of messed up an incredible run that they were on. This team... Yeah. Do be looking nasty. Do be I looking don't think nasty. It's the patch, though, I don't. I, I don't think it's the patch at all. I think it's 
them. <laughs> you think it's just them? They were just destined to do this kind yeah, of shit? I, well, I, 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 was, I was watching the comms video, and I don't know. I, that doesn't seem like a team that I would like to play in. So that's just more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. So I think the top four is fairly set in stone, though, to be honest. And then yes. once you get outside of that, who are you putting in fifth place? <laughs> no, Kurt. You, Kurt no. Hold on, hold Kurt, on. You stop. have to give Kurt a vote. You have to. Okay, Kurt. Kurt, Kurt what you are get you get a vote. vote? Yeah. Who are you putting in fifth place? Dude! Oh. Holy smokes. You know, actually, not even a bad pick overall, necessarily. No. I think yeah, you can I, make I would arguments. say that's a bad pick overall, necessarily. You, you can make <laughs> arguments for Luminosity in five. LG beat version one. LG, I oh, mean, okay, accept. they didn't do amazing in the group stage, but it's between them and XA, isn't it? And it's not. Yes. It's not horrendous. No, it's not TSM. It's not TSM. <laughs> put TSM back. Yeah. Um, okay, well, Kirk got his pick and he put LG in fifth. If you want to fix it, you have to, you have to fix it with your pick. Barla, back to you. Who are you putting in sixth? Or anywhere, frankly. Uh, I put Knights at six and punt, punt on the exit thing. <laughs> You're going to put Knights in sixth above what? exit? Knights I'm, letting else, I'm letting somebody else punt on it. All right, all right, all right. I'm to... putting, I, all right, it's my turn. I'm putting exit in five. Everyone else gets booped down. <laughs> okay, Mimi's gonna try and fix this shit. Bren, are you gonna add more chaos or are you gonna try and fix the system? I'm gonna move guard to three. What? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you moving up? We're gonna C9? shift, we gonna gonna shift uh, Cloud9 and Optical. You're up. the one that put guard inside. I know, I know, but I thought it over and I think. I think this is more reasonable, but this feels also, like okay. I, I don't. No, Optic can't be. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Actually, no. Go ahead. It's not my turn. Chess <laughs> rolls. Chess rolls. The second the mouse goes off the pick, you're done. Okay, I I'm gonna put Sentinels in at seventh. Boop these others down. I think I think I should probably be putting them at sixth here. But you know what? LG. Oh. LG. Sure. You can you can take Absolutely. that slot. We, you can take that slot. You keep beat, sleeping on them. You beat version one. You had more preset stuff that actually looked good and got you results. Sentinels yeah. floundered the whole of the group stage, frankly. And I thought I thought they were the sixth best for the mm. longest time. But I'm not even not even mad about putting LG above them, frankly, at the moment. All right, it's Ballas' turn then. Do we have to fill this out, or are we just doing the playoff team? Uh, yeah, I think we should fill this out. Fuck, this is a hard choice now. Then. <laughs> I mean, you could actually pick some of the tier two teams, honestly. You could, you could shift could, around yeah. some of the choices. I could. God, yeah, but we could just really get stuck hard. in an endless loop fighting with each other. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be like a bubble sort where we'd eventually would come to... No, because if two people disagree, yeah, like you'll just move them back exactly. and forth forever. But, event, but at some point, we call a stalemate. <laughs> and it's yeah. locked in. Yeah, uh, someone I could got... do something different and force a zugzwang. All right, well, I... who are you putting in at number ninth, Bala? Fucking Christ. No. Rise. Rise at ninth. Okay. I mean, they did beat Optic. Yeah. Honestly, ninth and tenth. My go. Ain't looking great right now. Yeah, sure. Um, Why would you say, is it my go? Because I was thinking, how many moves can I make in one go? One. I want to make two. 
What what were the two moves that you want to make? I want to move Cloud Nine Fuck to out. three and Guard to two and Optic to one. Oh, no. What? <laughs> no! That's like three moves! Come on, man. I mean This is fucked. This is fucked. That's what, that's I like that. Alright, whatever. I don't care. I'm leaving before. it. I'm leaving it. For my move, NRG goes above rise. And yeah, that's fine. Oh my god. That's it. Yeah, I think yeah. we should just we're just making it worse. Yeah, this is a We're making idea. it so much worse. <laughs> Our previous power rankings, at least they had some thought process. Someone should involved. get someone should get a final say on like they can they can shift around. They can make a real big move. I think I think you just did that. I no, think no, you I just did that. I don't think I should be the person who does that. <laughs> well, you were the person that did that. So. Because you know how these these sections always go the way of the, it gets screenshotted. <laughs> people don't watch the episode and they comment on it, and then they're like, "What the hell are these guys doing?" And they don't they don't realize. Yeah, but that's funny because they're molding whilst we're enjoying the joyous and whimsy. They, they don't realize the parallels between us and them. We are we're just like you. <laughs> we don't we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We should yeah. give a little thing of a. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. This is the worst power rankings we've ever done. Um, I'm I I have never enjoyed a power ranking segment we've done like at the end of it. I've never been happy with the result. No, because it's ever. a horrendous compromise. Because there's four people involved every yeah. time. But I do like the optic logo. That's <laughs> I think good. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's uh, pretty sick. Let's let's move on from North America. It's a shit show. No one knows what's going on right now. But it'll be cool to see how it wrangles out at the end. Let's go to another region that. <sighs> we were i was actually pretty excited about and then it feels like there's a lot of uh the more i watch the more dodgy it looks actually yeah korea korean valorant report coming in fresh hot off the steaming press last time at Reykjavik, new turn placed extremely highly so this early you know the first international tournament where were they third place yeah they yep. placed third yep. right yeah. Above version one, above liquid, like these big heavy hitter teams that we thought were going to do really well. And then this year, they are definitely better than they were a year ago. But compared to the world around them, are they as scary as last year? We've got our Korean reporter, Bren, on the scene yep. to report back from the DRX so, on Slayers game in that upper final. This is going to piss some people off. Okay. Because, yeah, because there are a lot of fans of Korean Valorant to the sure. point where they bat chest blindly. I am a fan of Korean Valorant, they, actually. They've got, they've got their, their, their uh, whatever, what do you call it? Like the blinders? Blinkers? Yeah, the blinkers, the the races. Yeah. So that it's like tunnel, they're, they're, they're tunnel vision and on the Korean scene. And there's some... Excellent things. I'll, I'll preface this. I'll try and create a shit sandwich for all of you fans out there of Korean Valorant <laughs> so that you, that you can take this a little bit easier. But the, yeah, there's definitely, a, I think, a gulf in terms of um, the way the game is played in other regions compared to um, Korean Valorant. Um, just from the from the get-go, they are a lot more prep-heavy, a lot more exec-heavy. They prioritize agents that give you the ability to um, create set plays a lot more. Um, and that's where their focus is pushed. Now, in this match here, these are the two best teams in Korean Valorant currently, right? DRX yep. and Onslayers. Yeah, by a long shot as well. Um, no one's close to these guys. Onslayers giga-trolled the map pick ban. <laughs> they absolutely, fundamentally, I was watching this, it made me want to buy a ticket, fucking get a Duolingo subscription, <laughs> learn Korean, and go over there to try and sort some of this shit out. Because they... They have two maps I think they really don't like to play on Slayers. They have Split and Fracture. Um, this is a, this is a, I just want to say, this is a cool clip to just showcase. I mean, Arby's a freak. But, uh, yeah, I mean, some nasty shots. The on Slayers, as a team, 
They permaban usually, well, they, they don't like to play split and fracture. And they're even going to have to let one of those through because they can't ban both. DRX have not played fracture since champs against Fnatic. And so yeah. either something behind the scenes has happened, but they banned Fracture, which left Split in the pool. And their Split comp was absolutely atrocious, which we'll get onto later. I didn't really grab specific cl uh, clips. It it's not that it was atrocious. It was more that they didn't fundamentally understand the strengths of how to play it on Split, which was the, mm. the, the issue I had with it. And it leads them to their pick here. This is the map one pick of Breeze, another map that DRX actually like to play and they look pretty strong in it they have these cool ideas the setups these um these a splits that they like to do the yeah, b splits that, that fast hit is using the same kind of recon dart same setup as uh m3c it was they a cool, do, they do that cool stuff like fast play the viper smoke goes over to to block on the um on the bridge a big recon dart yep. from cave recon that dart, goes over lands on top flashes of come in it's a split comes through as, as a drone comes through at the exact same time really sick i can't remember what i labeled this round as what, what was the comment next to it uh, sometimes DRX get too creative and it backfires. Not this time. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those times where it doesn't backfire. They go for the, the, the four-player wraparound. They end up playing the pistol round, defense side, with their entire team retaking from main, um, through B main. And, like, you can see the onslayers are like, I mean, Baz is just taking spawn because he's like, there's got to be a player here, right? I can catch a timing? Like, what, what, are they, why are they not retaking? They've got to be in mid? No, just all four players in B main, and they just all, all five players, and they just burst through, um, and, and end up retaking it just because the players weren't ready. But so much of uh, of Breeze, I was watching, and it's like, it's it's they come up with a plan at the beginning of the rounds, and then that's the plan they go with, and there is no, there was very little slow rounds where they gather information or gather info on where setups were. It was very much like, here's our idea, we ex we ex execute. And there's not as much pivoting. Like, it's almost like it's most of the time going down with the ship. And for DRX, because every other team kind of, kind of gets sucked into that, and uh, DRX just end up kind of getting all the space in the world to set up these execs. They get horse control pretty easily. They get mid control pretty easily. It gets left up and open often. And they just get allowed all the space to, be, uh, to get all their pieces in position, all the utility to come in to get these really sick looking execs. And that's always been the strength of the Korean region. Yeah, and and yeah, that's yeah. still the case. Like this is, they are still cooking up really sick ideas. Individually, the players are amazing as well in yeah. terms of the mechanics. Those are all fantastic strengths but i think that they still haven't got that um the info game yes now, it's the it's of. the mid-rounding and the information gathering the ability to slow a round down if it starts to go wrong by a piece that that kind of idea of how they're thinking about the game and it showcases well on slayers king with the cypher you don't see many cypher players doing this but he's using a cypher cam to try and set up angles on the extremities really hard like on their defense all the time this round bro uh, can somebody explain what's cool happening here? They're just hiding from the dog, and then they swing. But why are they all five grouped up there? Because they're hiding from the dog. <laughs> all five of them? Why? No one's watching another area of the map? Yeah, because they can burst then. It's, I think that's this like was a play to try and... That's the most moment I've ever seen. I think that's this not, was a play to try and catch the, uh, like, um, Arby, because Arby kept getting pushed up with the dog with an op in his hand to just hold that yeah. angle. So I think they were trying to punish that, but... 
Yeah, I don't know. It was it was just it's just odd. They end up winning this round actually, end up pulling it out because it's one of those rare, rare rounds where they lose a pick early enough that they're forced to just kind of push and pull, find information, and uh, and then eventually cook up a, a plan in the mid rounding. Like I think another thing to mention though with this as well is that these are the only real two good teams in the region, and so I would imagine that they've played against each other a lot. Mm. They have played matches against each other too. Onslayers won the last time that yeah. they played. Bazzi had an insane game yeah. and just looked. I mean, he was the difference maker. He just shit on DRX and uh, also the there, there was nothing that Onslaught could do. Were yeah, more the, suited. yeah, the maps were a bit better Last for time. them too. But I think the, there's always going to be some level of like uh, the serious metagame component when you know an Absolutely. opponent that well. It's, right? it's the reason why, despite the fact that Brazil looked like the stronger region, crew ended up beating them in most times, right? In the 1v1s. Sure. And also, heads games can get really funky when you know your opponent super well because yes. you're trying to make specific reads rather than just play the game really optimally. Um, it, it, I, what I really love though still, there are so many cool ideas you can still take from the Korean region. Yep, they're the, still cooking up stuff. They have so many cool uh, defensive setups where like King in particular will use a specific Killjoy setup that I've never seen anywhere else in the world that's really unique. There was a round on Split from this game where the beginning of the round, he just Killjoy ults B Heaven on Split. Just beginning of the round. And it looks... Troll, because mm. the whole of DRX was set up for an A push, and it ends mm. up with DRX winning the round, but it's a Killjoy ult tucked in the corner. Is this the round? No, no. No, I pulled... I, I have no idea which round that would be. I pulled anyway. troll rounds, basically, Yeah, so but, I could mold. But, but it, it didn't end up working, but it was like, they, they have such creative ideas. I think it it's um, a really cool region for other, for like... EU, NA to be keeping track of mm -hmm. to take the best pieces and add it into their own game. And I, I really just wish that Onslayers and DRX had opportunities to boot camp in EMEA or in North America right. more regularly because I think it would be so beneficial for both regions yeah. to have more international blending between these yeah. completely weird Dude, styles. Okay. This round, so uh, for, to start with, before we even get into this round, like this is one of the only rounds out of two that Onslayers ended up winning. Uh, on split and again they let split through drx are really comfortable their comp they have really cool ideas of it but the comp they're running is like the double flash comp right uh, what can you there we go so yeah that's why you uh, yeah. triple flash i guess kind of right with the, yeah, with uh, the, the breach the well. sky um the omen is the solo controller and bazzi on the jet so i look at this comp and i think your strengths are pretty much lying on you aggressively taking control of like the main areas on defense i think or maybe fighting over mid if the if they're fighting over it um, and the only two rounds they really won were the rounds where they ended up doing that. And it, and it ended up being like this eco round where they pushed uh, Bazzi into mid with a bunch of utility and were able to get a bunch of space early enough that they could get the read and um, punish DRX when they're going for these hits. But the other rounds were quite passive, quite safe. Very passive yeah. with this comp, which I, I don't understand. I think if you're playing this comp, you have to understand the strengths of it, right? Because that's that's where it's going to excel on defense side. So if you let split through, why were they not prepped on it? Anyway, it didn't. If that was the second best team in Korea, yeah, they trolled in the map picks. If it went to a different uh, map selection, I may have been more confident in it. But overall, I still see the same um, pitfalls in, I guess, the general play of Korea as a region, and I don't think it's been fixed as much for international play. They, now, granted. Listen, whatever team ends up getting sent, because I think Korea have one spot, right? Yeah, only one spot, which I, is... Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. still think they could do some damage. I think 
They have really cool looks in terms of the XX. DRX, if they are the team that goes as well, one of the things I loved about DRX actually is that they are always thinking about rounds as well in terms of what alts their opponents have. Because the region is so exec heavy and like it's that thinking ahead, that layers ahead. A lot of teams in other regions, in particular North America, they don't think about the game as much like that. They don't see that, oh, the enemy team has Seekers or the, the enemy team has KO alt. We need to anticipate like a B split where it's more commonly used or like the tendencies. DRX do think that one layer ahead and they'll like, for example, if they anticipate the, a KO alt, they'll position their controller player further back so they can still activate Viper utility or smokes. Right. Like it's the, it's the, thinking ahead in the rounds to set up ahead based on what the enemy's got. That's one thing that DRX do really well. And I think that's a product of, of the region being so exec heavy. This round, I don't know, dude, what the fuck was going on? Zumba was this the, wait, was this the round where they take B main control early? I was, I was yes. just monologuing. Yes, but, with yeah. the one way. Dude, yeah. they take, they took B main control early and then just gave it up. And then, and then the whole team just starts rotating over towards A. It, we don't have to watch the round again, but... <sighs> <laughs> I, that was the round that, that made me look. I was looking on Google Flights. I was looking at Google Flights, man. But Dude, yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to go to Korea right now. I'm fucking gone. Yeah. I'm, I'm headed there. <laughs> I'm it's, it. that's, that's my report. It's going to make people angry. And I know it is because I, I was streaming last night and I said, mm. I said these takes roughly kind of like short, shorthand versions. And I had a couple of the, you know, the real uh, Korean Valorant enthusiasts in my chat. Sure. Because you hosted me after the uh, volume. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, they weren't happy. <laughs> they, they weren't happy with the take. So, but that, that's, that's my read on it. That's my read. That's my report. Take it or leave it. There yeah. it is. Mm. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting anyway, seeing all the different regions match up. Uh, obviously, whichever team comes out of there is still going to be potent because the Korean region has frequently had pitfalls like that, but still been able to place pretty decently i mean okay vision strikers they end up getting grouped at uh the last two tournaments they played at but they were still a very strong team that mm -hmm. was challenging the, the teams that um that went through it felt like they could have got but out of vision group strikers made it out of group uh at berlin so did they yeah they lost oh, shit. The they did of course they they got two zero out of their group and then they lost yeah my bad sorry um yeah so i, I think even if the korean teams have those level of pitfalls they're probably still going to be able to perform reasonably well mm -hmm. um I wanted to dig into EMEA this week as well because the EMEA region had longer group stage than everybody else because they were trying to figure out what to do with M3C, the former Gambit team, figuring out presumably whether they could play, whether they, you know, whether the organization would let them play under a neutral name, which they have, that kind of shit. Um, so Fnatic have gone undefeated in their group. So there was only one team that went undefeated in uh, EMEA, and that was Fnatic in Group B. We had 4-1 and 4-1 and and on the other side between FPX and M3C, where FPX ended up winning it out because they had the head-to-head -head differential. But Fnatic in probably what you would argue a tougher group. In fact, definitely a tougher group on paper. They're playing against the, the winner of champions. They're playing against a new guild team. They're playing against G2, who actually got their shit together in this one as well. Plus, sometimes the Turkish teams can do some damage, although didn't really happen this time around. But anyway, Fnatic are looking impressive right now. And we talked about it at the beginning of the episode when we were looking at some... Um, when we were looking at the, the bracket predictions and we were saying it's them and M3C that look like the, the favorites, but I wanted to just go through some of the reasons why they look so spectacular. And it was this game against Guild that I had highlighted because this was their match of this weekend. But to start off with, 
they ended up losing map one and both teams lost on their map pick here so Fnatic picked haven into guild guild are one of the best teams in emea right now on haven not exactly sure why they did that but then guild did them a solid by picking bind and Fnatic are very good on bind too so this ended up being a, a bit of a weird series every map was 13 5 um so just to start off, just to showcase that guild aren't pushovers, I wanted to show like some uh, two rounds that went well for them over on Haven, um, which starts off with just them uh, getting a really nice play around the. I think this was the one where Ross ends up getting a um, a good lurk off. So they're they're just doing a fairly default like B push. They take the A connector here. Actually, this was pretty lovely. Yeah, they go for the A connector. They fight over this. They get treks pretty deep with his drone and Trex is going to drone as Russ pushes into garage so look at how much pressure Magnum's under he's getting drone from one side Russ times him on the other just a really really good crunch play into garage and what I liked about this as well it felt like an audible because their plan was to go towards the A connector and they pivoted within a couple of seconds to go towards the C connector and ended up crunching that down too and then Russ once more manages to collect this kill on Durka just always in the right place at the right time and they end up converting this round. So really nice idea. They also had a really cool Astra exec later on too. If you want to skip forward to the next round, Kurt. Where it was... Um, I'd never seen this Astra wall before. But it's a gorgeous idea that I feel like other teams could pick up too. That's like a weird diagonal wall that Coldamenta puts down. So they go for Breach Alt exec... They're in onto the site. This is guild 11-5 up. They're already winning by a long shot at this point. And Russ, again, on the lurk. See that Astra wall and the way that it gives safe this tiny crack angle to play from? Look at this tiny angle. He kills Magnum down here and then Boaster swings out and he's like, what? Where did you die from? He dies. That sets up Russ to push out from garage. Oh, wow. Look at that, how cool that little Astra wow. wall is. And it's just something they throw in the middle of the match that cements their authority over the map. I thought that was cool. Anyway, the point of that just being, Gildar are pushover team. They've actually got some nice ideas, but they got decimated in the next two maps. Absolutely rolled. Uh, and the first thing I wanted to point to on Bind is that Boaster has started fragging again. I know he's only 10 and 10 on the stat line here, and he doesn't even have a large ADR, but this guy's actually popping on the flex roll. I thought personally that it was a bit questionable putting him in the flex position because he's not known to be a fragger and he's going to be playing, you know, Sky, he's going to be playing KO. Look at this. Look at the fucking, look, come and get your boasties. Look at what he does in this. He wins a 1v3 <laughs> on the pistol round. So whatever, it doesn't really matter how the pistol round has gone up until this point, but look at some of the shots he's hitting there. What is oh. that flick from Boaster? And then he wins a 1v2 here again, popping at the end. It feels like this guy's hit the gym, hit the aim lab routine, and he's always supporting fantastically with utility too. So it's not just that his aim is good, but he's such a nerd with the calling, the IGLing, the, um, the utility usage as well. Uh, there's no way you would see that kind of round from Boaster online usually. That is like a he occasionally pulls it out of LAN kind of round. And he had multiple rounds like that in this series. I've just only pulled that one. But I think the main point whenever you're thinking about Fnatic is Durka right now. So I wanted to... Uh, do I have that? Yeah, round round three. Jump 28 on bind. He, he just went fucking crazy. <laughs> I mean, look, look at him here with a bulldog. I know he's against the eco round, but... This demonstrates what this guy's doing right now. Look at this. <laughs> this guy, I was having a conversation in my Twitch chat last night watching Durka, and I think 
I think there are obvious comparisons to draw with Durka and Leaf because they played against each other at Champions. Mm. Durka's been a bit of a lanimal and he's kept it up online. And the team's style right now is to support him very heavily. They throw, you know, Boaster is there playing Sky or playing KO when they go over to the split. And they throw a lot of utility for Durka. In my opinion, Durka is currently playing better than Leaf. And I think Leaf is the best player in North America right now. And I think Durka's ability to do this on Jet and on Rays... With only one hand. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It actually puts Durka in the conversation for one of the best duelists in the world right now. Like, maybe the best duelist currently playing the game in terms of his form heading into Reykjavik. Um, and I know that's a bold claim, but this guy is just fucking pounding, and it's every single game for Fnatic. And it's just it just doesn't stop. I mean, he drops, what, 230 ACS on the first map when they, go, they only get three round, five rounds. Then he goes 400 ACS on bind. Then he's got 277 on split. He does it on raise. He does it on jet. It's just monstrous, man. And the way his team sets him up, the way the boaster sets him up, is simply fantastic. Uh, if we go over to split, do you want to just play round 12 on split? Like, the, it's madness. And I, I, we've kind of... I know we're famous on Platchat for snubbing Durka and leaving him out of our top 20. But he was not playing like this before Champions Online. He just wasn't. And since Champs, he's become a demon. Yeah. It is crazy to, uh, I don't know. You don't expect it as much, mainly because there wasn't really as much of a precedent set. Because he popped off at Iceland. Yeah, he was amazing last he, year at Iceland. I think he popped off in the subsequent tournament of Iceland last year. I think that was actually when they were at their slump and looking Stage kind of rough. Really or was it beforehand that I'm Look at this of. play from Durka. He misses his nade and he just doesn't even skip a beat. He just, yeah. within a quarter of a second, makes the decision to just blast back into that. Yeah, he's feeling a bulldog it. demon. What the fuck? I know. <laughs> and he's just rolling with the bulldog. He uh -uh. is certainly a player to be keeping your eye on right now. And uh, yeah, on, on top of that. Holy. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Okay. Nookie is performing like a beast right now, but Dirk is ahead of Nookie, CNED, Chronicle. Chronicle. Like, he's ahead of everyone. He's, he's yeah, a demon. good competition as well. It's not like, I mean, assuming these aren't. Yeah. What, what, what did these take into account? Is it just, just group stage? Yeah, I mean. Well, yeah, we haven't even started playoffs really. This yeah. dude, uh, this dude kind of nasty. Yeah, if, they, if yeah. they continue this form as well, it's not. I don't know. There's been many things that Fnatic have kind of been missing, like in their slumps, I guess. Sometimes it's like almost um, too much like overcomplicating, I guess, with the strats. Sometimes it's just been missing firepower. Yeah. But it feels like it's all coming together at the right, way, at the right time. Yeah. Right? I, I think like, the, the best part about it, and I agree with you, Bren, but about Derka is the fact that he's playing such a obviously important role, but at the same time, not doing, not having the pitfall that every other star duelist has and leaf even has this um but they fill it with zeppa uh where you play jet and you're raising shits <laughs> and it makes somebody else has to come fill yeah. that role yeah. and, which, and, and the teams that are able to do that are great um still but fanatic just being able to rely on one dude for that and the rest of them can focus on their own stuff is yeah. so amazing I love how often he rifles too. Like the majority of his skills are are coming just from vandaling and just being For that sure. hyper aggressive entry on either the the raids or the jet. And when he opts, it's still incredibly solid. It's just not as much of a necessity as I feel like some other uh, star jets fall into.
Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point because they don't really op that much. No. Um, but it also doesn't feel like this meta coming up is a heavy op meta. I might be off on that, but it feels I like one in which you want a rifle maps. in your hand because the pace seems fairly high currently. A lot of flash being played, a lot of, you know, like... Uh, quick pivoting in the mid round. Yeah. This, for example, is a lovely fake that Fnatic runs to just get the spike down immediately. And then they're playing post plant lineups on split from a position where they can crush a, a ramp retake. It's, I don't know, man. The, this team is looking really good. I think they all look on the same page as well. It's something that you were bringing up just then, Brent. They, they sometimes in the past were overcomplicating things. I think Bozda was trying to run elaborate strategies and his players weren't good enough individually to keep up, mm -hmm. right? I feel like that was a serious problem with them in the past, that he was trying to micro the whole team and they just didn't have that individual level of adaptability to keep up with his, his vision. But everyone is on the same page. I've just got one last round that I wanted to show to showcase that, which is round 15. It's, no, that was round 13. Uh, round 15 is their bonus round, right? So Fnatic come into this round with the idea, we're going to flash from Boaster, double blast pack in, and punish. Safe hits the most ridiculous 180 shot to shut down Durka, and that would be that would be a challenge for most teams, right? If you're in Fnatic shoes right now, okay, we had a vision at the beginning of the round, we have worse guns, and our star player just got shut down. And look at how they adapt in the middle of all of this. It's so lovely. So... They take mid off the back of this. Boaster's pretty confident, gets the knife out, knows the Viper was over there, doesn't have to worry about ropes. They're getting constant info from Boaster's KO. And even though they take mid, Fnatic have been running so many fake possibilities that guilds still think this could be an A hit. All round, mm. they're still worried it could be an A hit, even when Boaster and the rest of Fnatic are taking positions. Boaster gets a kill, because he's fragging now these days. And I want to <laughs> showcase the patience coming out from Magnum. Like, even when Trex knows that they're in B heaven, they're still worried that this could be an A hit. Look at the guys in spawn from Guild going back over to A because they wonder if it could be a fake because Boaster loves throwing them in. And so the fakes actually strengthen these rounds, which are just sight hits. Look at the patience from Magnum here. Trex gets a flash to try and punish Bravaf. He swings. Magnum's been waiting in the smoke the whole time. Picks the perfect timing. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone's coordinated and they understand where the defenders are going to be playing and how to punish them. It just feels like impeccable fundamental gameplay right now from mm. Fnatic and it's so good to watch they've got all of their pieces working in in perfect synergy right now and I think for my money they're guaranteed a spot to Reykjavik even if they lose to M3C in that head-to-head -head, which they very well might do mm. they just look beastly yeah yeah it's all coming together at the right time yeah I don't I don't have too much to add I don't yeah, watch too much EMEA, you know, there's, there's no secret. There's no secret. <laughs> Listen, there's no secret. Go if you away. don't, so if you're a North American fan and you've got to this point in the episode, though, holy shit, you really should be watching at least Fnatic and M3C's game because yeah. EMEA Valorant right now is so, looking so good. Not all of the teams, for sure, but M3C and Fnatic are yeah. looking crispy clean. Yeah, but they don't crispy. have tents. What's <laughs> They don't have tents. Why would That's I watch? True. That's true. They, they don't, don't have, have tents. Wait, Why wait, hold watch? on. And it doesn't have tens either, Mimi. <laughs> we had one map. We only had one Haven game, okay? <laughs> well, the other team that came back in EMEA was uh, M3C, Gambit. And we had a topic last week saying, 
Should we expect them to win? You know, they've got a tough situation. They've had a break. They don't know whether they can make it to Reykjavik. I think you were pointing out, Brent, that that can sometimes be a dampener for people's motivation. Yes. That's, I mean, that's part, I didn't bring it up this episode, but it's part of the reason why I was surprised why Whippy was performing so well as well as an individual. Right. Because I mean, I, he had issues last year with the COVID situation of getting to Iceland, and he's probably going to be running into similar obstacles this time around. But yeah, anyway, besides the point, it's, yeah. Yeah, but they... Applies they, to M3C. They fucking crushed everybody this week yeah it was not a single map was close not even close and every time m3c lost a round i sat there watching the vod and i was like wow they got unlucky <laughs> like it was genuinely to that degree i was like apart from on when they played uh breeze this map was the only time when they were doing some wonky Stupid. looking shit on their attack side but yeah. every other time it just felt like they are destined to win every round. And when they don't, you're like, wow, that's, that's off the script. <laughs> what happened there? It is clinical currently. And it's not across the whole of their map pool, because I was watching some of the game this morning against, uh, against Guild, and their Fracture doesn't look as good as their Ascent, their Breeze, their Split. But they are crushing. So honestly, Kurt, if you just want to run some clips... I don't even have, like, I don't want to give, like, round breakdowns of everything they're doing, but I'm going to trust our viewers to be, you know, smart enough to just realize what they're watching most of the time because it's phenomenal. The defensive protocols, the, the changing of the defensive setups, how often they win duels, how flexible this team is. This first round, it's Nats in A main that you want to be paying attention to, who's playing Astra, by the way, right before the, it gets nerfed, but is just a demon. It's crazy. This team is looking almost perfect on Ascent, a map that was kind of shaky for them at Champions. Yeah, this one was crazy to me because I feel like Navi was playing very well. I mean, in this round specifically, even, they try to ult Nats out of wine after he gets the kill, and it almost works, but then he continues to push, and he has the one way for himself to really play off the entire time, and uh, his teammates are holding the main flank so that this doesn't come in time. There's many, many, many layers, um, but I just think the thing that impresses me the most is from 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 Mech is they just have a wealth, a wealth of different setups. I mean, this game against Navi on Ascent, even though uh, Navi is playing great and they're they're also switching things up like a lot. Defo peaked every single spot on the map. They had Shados, um, sorry, Redgar, also different spots on the map. Yeah, constantly yeah. flipping around Chronicle, who's playing Killjoy right now. It so was, good. It was it was insane, and also something that they're implementing more than any other team is what Mimi was talking about. Um, was it Mimi? Somebody was talking about the fact that they're aware of the ults. I think that was maybe mm. when you were talking about the Korean uh, stuff, Brent. Mm -hmm. yeah, Mech is Brent. the only team who is consistently swapping off their their Sentinel to the other side when there's a um, KO ult. like stuff like that. They're constantly thinking of. They're thinking of you know who has the ability to break our lockdown. Okay, is it still there? Yes. Okay, it is. Let's move it around for a sec. Like, let's put it at a different spot so they don't have a lineup for it. Like, everything uh, worked well in this game against Navi, at least on Ascent. Um, I think there's still my fear with Mech is that they have so many of those things, and this is what happened on Breeze. Josh, you can attest to this, where they just fucking go through literally every single, like, fast hit that they yeah. had in many different ways, but it's just like, they just go, 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 go. They're just like, yeah, we have this variation now. Let's go for it. Red guys just like picks out a new page of his notebook. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> and, felt like they it, actually did just cycle through their notebook of fast plays instead of trying to slow the, 
game down mm. a little bit on Breeze attack. Mm. But the thing is too, their Breeze defense is best in world. Yeah, it's so best. it sometimes doesn't even matter. I, I'm sure they will tighten up their Breeze attack as well. But sometimes it just doesn't make a difference. Uh, if we want to go and talk about Breeze though, uh, can you bring up um, the round 21 actually, Kurt? Because it's, it showcases cool new ideas that they're implementing into their game. So round 21, they've got... Defo, they're on defense now, right? So they've got Defo pushing down elbow. This is a very classic Gambit play. But look at what's happening in halls here. Chamber right. is playing inside Rendezvous, right? The Rendezvous is by Bricks and takes him back to Orange. But he can push down halls and play inside his Rendezvous. That time, you know, he gets arguably a bit greedy. But then as Defo gets pushed away out of elbow, Nats pushes Cave. It is a constant teamwork push and pull around the map. Once they lose an area of the map, in this case, they lost Halls, they lost Elbow, Nats pushes Cave. And it, they're not afraid for Nats to push because Nats is a fucking demon and he's crazy good at taking duels if required. And so they don't... It doesn't have to just be their jet who pushes and takes the space. It can be anybody they have this constant like that they'll always be making a move to take info if you deny info somewhere else for them or push pull them away they just they're so fluid they win so many duels they have so many good defensive setups and so many good ideas this team only benefited from the break mm. and that's mad because they might not even know right now whether they can attend Reykjavik that's that's a possibility I don't know what's yeah. going on it's possible they don't know what's going on and yet, they are still putting up the, some of the best performances <laughs> the in the world. Flat chat thing I've ever heard. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so they probably don't know what's going on. I mean, I think it's possible. Uh, I think it's possible. Uh, it feels like the if we don't know something, no one again. knows it. Yeah. We're omniscient. Yeah, I, I think that, that's the frame of mind I normally approach things from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they just look insane. Um, yeah. I want to show round eight, though, because they're not immortal. Would you mind showing round eight from Breeze? Because th this was actually once they'd started to slow things down, right? Barlow was saying they ran just through every fast play in their playbook when it came to Breeze. They did, you know, the same round that you saw from DRX earlier on, and then they ran this and that. This is one of their slow rounds. Classic Gambit. They have somebody watching Double Doors. They have three players slowly coming up. Duno hits that shot, and... <laughs> Defo's like, okay, well, that makes it a bit more challenging for us. But we've already seen on Ascent, right, that they can recover these kind of situations. But I just want to showcase, like, what you have to do to shut down M3C. Because this, this round, not only does Defo, uh, Juno, sorry, have to hit that original play, but then watch SSK, who's playing on Jet here. He's playing on A. Oh, yeah. Because he's the guy that ends up melting this round for them. There's a bit of a slow play, right? This is Gambit changing up the pace after they're 5-2 down. And the VOD is not great. This isn't on This isn't on your end. Don't worry, viewer. This is just a VOD in general. Right now. Yeah. Well, it probably is the premiere too, because that shit's... <laughs> it could be. But Defo, Defo manages to find the pick, right? So they're in a 4v4 scenario. But um, this, this round ends up just getting a little crazy. You know, trade it out. It's all looking good. 2v2 kind of scenario. Here comes SSK from Tunnel. And even though these are situations you would expect Mech to win, SSK goes crazy here and just dashes in. Boom. <laughs> with the op. Updrafts to get some info. Boom. Bye-bye. <laughs> and these are the kind of rounds where Mech was losing. 
it was it started out with them losing those fast rounds in the half because they had the wrong approach but then you've got to be playing at that kind of quality to stop them when they're doing a slow round which mm. i think not we still many... played that in my opinion kind of right as well i mean based off yeah. of what nats did eventually at the end redgar comes to help and because of that he gets in a weird position but if that was a second later from ssk yeah i mean uh, and all of this to say that navi were playing really well and it was still a 13-9. It didn't look like they had too much of a chance once they went onto the attack side. Mm. So, yeah, Mech's a bit of a freak right now. Um, and that's not even just, like, it's not even just that game. It's uh, the game against Big, yeah. um, where they played Split and they played Neon. Uh, and again, they were running uh, Astra still on the old patch or whatever, but so prepped. It feels like the same type of shit where they ran Sova on the map and everybody's like what the fuck is going on but yeah. they have the same strats with defo and neon but they have that extra layer of conking uh, that just makes it so much better it was very very difficult for anybody to find anything in that game if you're an na fan this is where knights got that comp from because knights yep. tried to yep. run this composition in the game where they were playing against who even was oh, that no. against against oh, no, no 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 it was no. uh it was exit exit yeah sure against exit yeah and they couldn't pull it off because Mech have... Okay, they, they took a lot of the comp and the defaults and stuff like that, but look how good this is. Look at the chamber on the other side of things here. Nats has used an Astra star for chamber to get up through A ramp. So as Defo is applying all of this pressure up mid, the player that's playing A ramp has to look at that, has to look and pay attention and turn the back to chamber. And Chronicle just walks up A ramp and gets the free kill and then gets a crazy good kill and After he's getting that. four stuns in his face, by the way. What, sorry? <laughs> the guy who has to pay attention to the Neon is getting four stuns in his face, so he has to fall back in the Chronicle. Exactly. And look how much time is even left on the clock. Like, they do that all instantly. Like, there's no mid-pressure that can be maintained by Big. Like, the way they play Neon is just so oppressive on that attack side. Yeah, it is. Uh, they have a ton of good ideas on their attack side, and then their defense side ha had a ton of great stuff, too. Some of the stuff Knights was trying to showcase and just didn't pull it off as well. Because uh, also... Knights don't have the player quality that Mech has. That's another mm -hmm. big thing, right? This team has the most firepower in the world across the entire roster, in my opinion. They Maybe they don't have the same, you know, the best on every single role, but when you look at the roster as a whole, I think they've got the best player-for-player, pound-for-pound roster in Valorant right now just because the depth that they have. Who's the worst fragger on the team? Maybe Redgar, but... He's Chronicle still and he's scrawny, so, so when you talk right about now. pound for pound, like Yeah. All right, that was terrible. Oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. Dude, since Baller came a dad, it's all gone off hill. It's all it's all fallen <laughs> off, man. It really has. I keep checking my water cup thinking that there's going to be more water in it. <laughs> All right, well, we're very to. close to the end of the episode anyway, though, so let's have a look. The final thing that I wanted to do was just check back in with the EMEA bracket because we had some preds at the beginning of the... Uh, uh, of the episode mm. and the g2 liquid game is uh, probably close to being finished by now did we pray correctly with g2 oh wow okay that's it's kind of five to five right now okay when we checked at the break oh my god this is mad close yeah so map one what? wow okay liquid were up eight four in the first half of icebox as well i feel like that always happens to team liquid in these important <laughs> games but look at look at the comp that g2 ran on icebox Triple Sentinel. 
I mean, sage oh, that's and chamber. filthy, actually. But, that is filthy. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the comp that Liquid ran in the first map. They ran <laughs> double controller on split. They ran what? Brim Omen split. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some old T1 shit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Nookie actually had his first bad game on Ray's statistically, too. I don't know whether that was, like, actually his fault or what, but um, normally he's been dominant on the race so far this year and he went 10 Dude, and we're doing like a past tense watch party yeah <laughs> yeah. This is wild. yeah this is uh, a strange one what are the comps being run here so we've got double flash in for g2 no neon oh and nookie's playing rays on haven yeah, it is no neon that's on intriguing yeah Solcast is playing oh, omen. they're playing double controller yeah, again double controller again brim omen again wow ema is so fucking weird Oh, I think Liquid's kind of weird. Yeah, Liquid. But comps. that's not just Run. Liquid. G2 are running Ray's solo duelist with Careful. double flash. G2 that's weird G2 as well. EMEA for you, F4U12 is coming after you. <laughs> uh, Nuki's name, sorry. All right, never mind. What <laughs> 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 his name? In yeah. Garage. Dude, I, I don't know, man. This game is closer than I thought it would be, actually. I thought G2 would You're talking have... like we've seen the game. Well, no, it is. It is no. I know this is live, but you're you're the, you're talking kind of like it's past it's past tense. This is the review. <laughs> uh, I mean, it will be past tense by the time the viewers watch it. That's true. They'll know who won. What the fuck? What? Oh my God! What the? What the hell? <laughs> Don't we just watch the rest of this game. On the yeah, yeah, okay. Well, the watch the second half for the next twenty I, minutes of the I, podcast. I, we have to end soon. Yeah, we're gonna. My, um, we're not gonna do that. I order groceries, and again, they're just melting in the sun. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, when I said I was going to Korea, I, I also ordered groceries. I'm going to be honest, I didn't go to Korea. I had to pick up my groceries. <laughs> you didn't go to Korea. Wow, I'm I disappointed. I'm disappointed. All right, well, let's get on to our final uh, topic, which is the most important every week. It's Wyatt's Weekly Award. Hey, bro. Pass the sticks. It's Wyatt's Weekly Award. <laughs> He's a serious gamer, you can tell. It looks like he's about to go play Fortnite with no building. <laughs> <laughs> was, was Wyatt a big builder in Fortnite? Have you talked to him about that? I know oh, yeah. he used to play competitively. Um, he was a big Fortniter. He was the crank in the 90s. Yeah. I did. I mean, I played Fortnite with him once, like very, um, like in 2020. Was he a Fortnite sweat? Dude, he carried a shit out of me. <laughs> Like he, he was, he was, I didn't know what was going on. I was like a lost little Timothy just running, running along the meadows. In the, I mean, he was just, competing in Fortnite, wasn't he? Like yeah. he was playing yeah. like the, the tournaments and shit. He was like, yeah. he was hard into the Fortnites. He was, he was. Okay. Well, in absentia again, uh, he's not dead. I'm just, he's just not here right now. <laughs> but um, he, all right. Wyatt's Weekly Award this week. I am going to give it to... Durka. I've already said why, mm. basically. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna keep ranting and raving about him, but I think he deserves the award this week. I think he's looking phenomenal. And this is just to apologize for not putting you on our top 20 last time. Um, <laughs> if we do a top 20... If we did a top 20 right now heading into Reykjavik, it would be very difficult because we don't know who's playing. But, <laughs> but I think Durka would be in there. Uh I hope Fnatic do make it to Reykjavik. It seems quite likely. They only need to win that one game against Mech or a couple of games in the lower bracket. But uh, there is still a chance, obviously, that something goes wrong. Uh, EMEA yep. are going to be playing on the new playoffs patch that they haven't... I mean, that game, actually, that you're watching or that we were just watching is on the new patch. 
Uh, EMEA have been, they didn't go with the final week of group stage onto the new playoffs patch. So it's all new. So it's all new to them. They yeah. haven't had very much time to adapt to it. So it's possible we get some big upset results. I just hope they go. Yeah. Right. It would be cool to see him. You watching the game, Bala? I'm watching the game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So that's why it's weekly award. Next time we'll actually be able to look at like the APAC region, the Brazilian region, who are both starting their playoff brackets right now. We'll know actually who's going from Everybody, North America yeah. won't be next week. The only thing we won't know, I think, is the extra Brazilian teams who have to play like an extra play in because yeah. there's three or I don't know how many teams are coming, but they play like, like one extra. Oh, there's like stack. one shared extra spot between like Latam and Brazil, and right? Brazil. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll basically have a lot of our teams for Reykjavik and we'll we'll that's, probably go through some of the smaller regions. Content to get through. That is a lot. But there's still quite a long time until we actually get to Iceland, right? There's sure. there's a fair break before we actually get there. So we've got a couple of episodes to catch you all up to speed if you're like us and you don't watch APAC every day. But that's done it for episode eighty four. Thanks for watching. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, and we'll see you guys for the next one. Bye. Watch.